Hello. Today is July 24th. We finally had NFL training camps kick off, and we already have injuries and holdouts to discuss. We'll break it all down here and more. Let's go. Pat Fryer Helmo. <laughs> This is why I'm hot. Anita hand, hand job. Fix your sight. Jamar. Alpha play chase. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Are you Tony? You can't handle the heat. He looks like we're finally at this point. You're right. <laughs> oh. Pat left. There's Pat. Oh, there he is. Uh, I didn't leave. What? Man, That's man, he's taking the he's taking the Kadarius Tony news hard. Uh, Travis Kelsey yeah. about fi- about five minutes ago, Travis Kelsey at camp just said uh, intimated that Tony's injury is so severe he might not be back until after the regular season begins, which is just not. Does that really happen? Travis Kelsey uh, just said he's crossing his fingers to get Tony back as soon as possible, whether it's for the beginning of the season or a few. Oh weeks my in. god. That's bad. <laughs> Guy made it a day, a day of training camp, right? Rasheed Rice is out there vomiting and then getting back up and saying he's having the time of his life. And Kadarius Tony apparently uh, did something to his hamstring on, on doing punts, doing doing punt returns. So this is Sky Moore's fault. Well, well mm. really, it should. It's, it's Andy. It's, it's four punts it's, last year. Yeah, that's, uh, this dude has played it so well. He he tricked Tony into not getting that second touchdown. He punt he punt returned so badly that Tony got hurt on a punt return. Really, it's it's Andy Reid's fault for not just saying this is Richie James's job. Like we, Richie James does one thing. He's the punt returner, right? I mean that. Why is Kadarius Tony just don't even practice, dude? Just show up. Just show up to the game. Because apparently your body shuts down after about 30 minutes of physical activity. I wonder if he's doing the DK Metcalf diet, like all he eats is candy. And oh, just, that, I mean, did, you guys saw that clip. Uh, obviously, Davis did. That, you saw it. That's old. I didn't, no. So this what is clip? this is a oh, thing he's oh, been saying. Okay. No, the clip is new, but he's been saying this for years. He's like, all I do is eat gummy candy. Um, and but I it's just not like just that. Be- he, he does like a tw- he does like an 18, 19 hour fast. So he does like he wakes up, he like works out like twice, completely fasted. Then he gets like really hungry around noon. He goes and gets like a big coffee. So that keeps him going until like I think like six or something. Then he breaks that fast with like several bags of candy. <laughs> like that is and he says he he says he postmates it every day. He says he he postmates it every or, or I guess Uber His eats wife. it every single day. Like I mean, he doesn't even that's, he's in great shape. I don't know. Maybe this is how we should all live. I don't think that would work for me. I don't think it would work for me. <laughs> but I mean, realistically, I mean, if Tony is hurt, like actually for yeah. training camp, he's going to be the biggest faller of the entire preseason. I mean, he's going to go, he's going to go from what is he like wide receiver 38. I mean, he's going to, he's going to, where he's going to go is in that that range where you don't want to click anyone. Michael Thomas, Cortland Sutton, Jameson Williams. He's going yeah. to land right in there. I was going to say the same thing, that right near Jameson. If he's uncertain for the start of the year, then I think he would go past Jameson Williams even maybe. I mean, it depends obviously on the news and what the injury is, but um, I could definitely see him dropping as far as there. 
Because um, yeah, I mean, I like him more there with injury concern. Like, I guess, like now that we, because part of the thing with Tony is that he's never really stayed on the field, and he's like on, his playing time sort of uncertain. It's such a low floor that like like some of that floor sort of realizing itself, but then getting priced in. I think I think I will have more of him. I oh yeah, really he becomes he, he becomes a guy he becomes a guy you're actively taking and like to, and, and just accept the the risk as opposed to being a guy you only ever take with Mahomes. Right, the risk is now. It's not that people are scared for no reason. Like the risk has now shown up. Like he's may miss time, but that that's getting priced in. But it's sort I don't know. It sort of makes me feel like the ceiling is is sort of unchanged. Right, like he can still. Yeah, get healthy and be the number one there. I think the thing that gets it gets tough, right? Because I think part of the reason he wasn't available last year was one injury, but it was also two not having a good grasp on the playbook. I mean, clearly in the playoffs, they didn't trust him to be out there running real routes, a wide receiver. So him missing all training camp and preseason. Like, I agree with you that a pick 100, I would like be taking him more than I am now, but I think the fall would be like justified because the chances of him being a legitimate wide receiver for the team, like playing 70% snaps, I think decrease a ton if he misses all of this time up in the start of the season. So, yeah, that's um, true. Yeah. It's tough with guys like this because I have so little Kadarius Tony that it's like, I have 1.4% and $47. So I'm, I like some of these guys that I have low on, I've, I've, try to mix them into like one of the higher stakes teams that I'm doing and Tony, I haven't even done that. So this is about as hard a fade. It's an, it was pretty uncomfortable fade because he does have a really high ceiling, but you know, we talked about just the playing time stuff and yeah, you know, he's, he also has been going near receivers that I really like. Like if he was like a late seventh round pick, I probably have a lot more, but he's like more like a late sixth. Um, so then when it's like, Oh, the fall is justified. Well, it's easy for me to feel like the fall is justified because I wasn't taking him where he was. But I do. I mean, I, I do. I will find him a lot more intriguing if it's him versus Jameson Williams. I mean, yeah. I bet I don't have a Tony team. I have twelve percent on underdog, but I bet I don't have a team that does not have Mahomes or Burrow. I, I would. I, I would guess. I would guess out of like two hundred plus drafts, I've got zero Tony isolated from either other from other Chiefs teammates because there is. Nope, they're there. But now I'm like, whatever, sure. Be my be my fifth wide receiver. Like, no, no, no different to me than take. I mean, honestly, no different than taking Sky Moore, really, where the floor is like zero yeah. countable games. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm taking Sky yeah. Moore, pick 100, and I've like zero confidence in that. But just because the cost is different, I'm doing it. So I think that's a fair point that like if Tony was there, I'm sure I'd be taking him some. Like, I've, I don't know. I'm just taking more because of the price, not because like I even really believe uh, that he's going to break out this year. But it's just like okay, pick a hundred. If I'm not taking any yeah. Chiefs wide receivers, I you know I'll take more there. Why not? Um, well, yeah, and I, the other thing I would say with Tony is he does strike me as a better managed league pick. Where like you know it's kind of it feels somewhat binary. Maybe now not, but like ahead of time, like I I probably would have had more on. on of him and yeah. my high stakes stuff because it's like if he is the guy you know you're starting him every like he's either a locked and loaded starter for you or you, you're you're sorry you picked him. Um, I think that's a great point comparing him to like like Gabe Davis who goes right next to him too. Like 
I'm not super excited about Gabe Davis and redraft, but in best ball, I'm totally fine with the price. Like I know, I think there was some Hopkins risk or like free agent risk baked in at some point with Davis, but now it's like, he's getting that 90% route roll again this year. Like there's, there's almost no way he doesn't get that again. So in best ball, that's the type of guy. The Kincaid stuff could help him too. Like if it's like Kincaid versus Shakir and you have Gabe Davis, like give me all the Kincaid, give me a rookie tight end learning slot receiver over an NFL slot receiver. Yeah. Yeah. Well, anyways, um, we had the we had the Tony stuff. Uh, a, a topic we wanted to hit on today before we get into the risers and fallers was all of the holdout risk that bubbled up over the weekend. I think this is namely uh, attributed to Barkley and Jacobs. Those are the two most obvious holdout risks. I'll also toss Dobbins into that group. I think that's going a little under the radar, but he's been placed on pop. He he didn't report to mandatory mini camps, and he's been frustrated about his contract. So that that could be like purely just a normal pop thing he's he's banged up and isn't playing but i am monitoring that j- just slightly i don't think it's quite the same uh likelihood as, as jacobs it's interesting I, I wouldn't have him in this group i don't think i don't think he's in this conversation for me i mean well, he's he's under a rookie contract like you know it's not the same well here, here's what i'll push back on that slightly um, players, players of his tenure are able to renegotiate, renegotiate their contracts, um, in their third year of the rookie deal. So he, he is theoretically able to do it and be like, he can at least renegotiate a contract. Barkley and Jacobs literally have like, they, they can't, so they, let me be clear. They, what they can do is they can get basically added sweeteners to their one year franchise tag, but they can't negotiate long-term deals anymore. Like, yeah, Dobbins but I mean, still can and Jacobs and Barkley literally can't. So I do think that is kind of a notable like difference that at least Dobbins has some motive to hold out, right? Is yeah, that, but let's is that why the... he's not at camp? Like, is like I thought I just assumed it was his knee still. So I think that is like the official line. So this is this could be me reading into the tea leaves way too much, but there was a, uh, a story on ESPN. Uh, late June, early July about Dobbins being upset about his contract. He had a bunch of quotes on it. Um, he, he wanted to renegotiate his deal. He didn't report to mandatory minicamp for the Ravens. And now he's placed on the pop list. I mean, he was healthy to end last year. So the injury stuff is like a little weird. I, anyways, I, I don't want to get too like hold up on or held up on Dobbins. I just think I'd, I'd just like monitor that one. Because I think there, there's weird stuff. Going no, I mean, on Dobbins is falling. Like, I think it's we should definitely talk Dobbins. I just think yeah. that to me, this is like, you know, I, I I talked about this on Ship Chasing last week. Like, I think the market is definitely like trying to price in this stuff and like, you know, as being like pretty active in terms of the training camp reports. But I don't necessarily feel like there's like a great understanding of like what some of this stuff means. Like, like I forget who it was. I think Pacheco, when he first went on pup, people like legit thought he was missing six weeks of the season, which is hilarious since that's not even how the pup works <laughs> anymore. Yeah, it's, it's different. Yeah, now, yeah. It's know? different. Yeah. But I mean, like, there's two things. There's two reasons why that was wrong. One, there's the training camp versus regular season pup. But then there's also the fact that the pup used to be six weeks, like two or three years ago, and now isn't even six weeks. So, like, there's just kind of like a little bit of, you know, People just don't really understand like the rules of, you know, and then the reacting and you're seeing these drops in ADP on guys. And it, Dobbins feels similar to me where it's like, 
you know, I've been getting him now in the sixth round. You're seeing like really big. I, I just saw uh, – I, I was reviewing a team where I had gotten Dobbins at pick 70. You're seeing like big drops on Dobbins. The idea that Dobbins is going to hold out after tearing up his knee in his second season and coming back and having a pretty uninspiring return in his third season, it strikes me as ludicrous. Like He has no leverage. He's on a rookie deal. And he had one good year, and it was his rookie season. Like what? What like leverage? Mark does Ingram, have? Mark in, like thirty-one-year-old Mark Ingram was more productive than him inside yeah. of this offense. Yeah, I, like, I agree. He's got like no leverage. So, he's got so zero leverage. There's there's yeah. no reason to freak out about this now. If we start to hear stuff about the pup, and you know, you know, well, let me say, don't get nervous about literally the pup because people that that's what I was talking about before. People that's like a it triggers people and it shouldn't. But if you start to hear stuff that his knee could like linger into the season, sure. But that should not be what our prior is on him because we saw him play last year at the end of the year. Like as far as I know, he did not have an additional surgery. You know, it seems like they're probably just kind of working him back. Okay, tell me, tell me, right? Tell me if I'm making this up. But wasn't there something like? He came back and then he got hurt again, and he ba- like he it was never one hundred percent. Like I'm looking at his game logs, and he never played more than fifty percent of the snaps in any game. Even in he had a second games. surgery last year. Yeah, like so they, during were, the season, they were, yeah. they Get were a cleanup procedure him. during during the season. They were time sharing him with someone who really sucks. Kenyon Drake, maybe does that sound right? Yeah, that's that's probably right. Yes, but, this 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 is right. I'm looking at it right now. They were they were time sharing him with Kenyon Drake. So with Dobbins, like he was efficient down the stretch last year, but and this is getting into narrative speculation. There were a lot of clips of him on like long runs that looked like didn't his look long right. Speed was not there. So that was the thing is people saying, oh, Dobbins was still efficient, but maybe his short area burst and explosiveness was back, but his long speed something was off. So. Anyways, I don't want to get too into Dobbins. I think maybe the other guys are, are more important to talk about. But I, like, I'm just not that into Dobbins, really, is is what it comes down to. I'm more like into he, him now. I mean, if you can get well, him sure, in the if I can round, get him in the I was gonna say if yeah. I can get him if I can get him 15 picks later. Although because of that narrative street stuff Sam just mentioned, I just sort of have like this vague association that he his body is not healthy. And if it's if if he if this is not about a contract thing and he's really not good to go 50, I guess what 48 days before the start of the season, that is concerning. It's yeah. It's weird either way. Right. Because I don't want to get in the business of freaking out about pop. Cause I agree with you, Pat, but like at least with Pacheco, that was like expected. It was like, he had this surgery at a broken hand surgery on his shoulder. Like it makes sense why he's not out there right now with Dobbins. It's like, he finished the year last year, healthy, like playing, and has all this weird contract stuff and now is not showing up to camp or um, mini camps or training camp. It's like that, that's like more new news to me than the Pacheco one. Um, So I I kind of agree with like a slight hit to his value. I don't think it should be falling like full rounds or whatever, but it, it, to me, it's just like, there's kind of ominous vibes coming from JK Dobbins land right now. And I don't, I don't know exactly what's going on. Um, Yeah. I'm not hundred percent sure what's going on. I do think that, you know, if we think about it, just thinking through the Dobbins thing, um, like what risk are we really taking on? I think the contract stuff, and this is why I said to me, they're not, it's not similar to the Jacobs Barkley thing because the contract stuff is just like, it's really a non-issue. Like 
he has zero leverage to begin with. And then now we're wondering if he's healthy after two years after this injury, like <laughs> that's even less leverage, you know, it's like, uh, I was, I was checking, um, Jeff Zarebeck to see he's a, a Ravens beat. I was trying to see what he thought about the Gordon signing. And he was saying like, look, I mean, this backfield has suffered a ton of injuries. They're trying to add depth. Like it, it didn't yeah. really have anything to do with the holdout thing. So I think the holdout thing is like, you know, kind of a, a red herring. However, you know, there probably is some risk that we're taking on with is how healthy is he? But I, I guess my bet with Dobbins, I'm at 6% right now. And I, I do plan, I'm hopeful to get up to, at least even with the field with enough sixth round discounts on him. Um, but my hope is, uh, or my bet there would be that he will be coming on down the stretch, right? Like if, if you're getting, uh, maybe you're taking on a little bit of, of risk with his health, but you know, in November, like he should be fully healthy unless there's something we're really missing here with, with the knee. And then also potentially you're getting a much more explosive Ravens offense or one that's, maybe equally explosive, but running more plays. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I think in the sixth round, a lot of that is sort of – a lot of the risk is, is somewhat priced in, and you can handle a little bit of a slow start if that's what we get from him. Got it. So, anyways, back back to the holdouts. Um, I, I just wanted to go through – so, I think what's important to consider with these holdouts is that holdouts happen in the NFL, have happened in the NFL for a long time. Um, they've been less common in recent years. We've seen – more hold-ins and hold-outs. Um, but the number of holdouts that actually lead to players missing games is extremely small. So this isn't comprehensive. I'm sure there's there's other examples out there. Um, people in the chat can let me know. But I dug into you know the number of holdouts that actually resulted in players missing games since 2000. And it's a pretty short list. There's, there's the famous Le'Veon Bell example where he missed the whole year in 2018. Obviously, that's like the not worse outcome. And then there's a couple other examples. Uh, Melvin Gordon missed a couple weeks uh, in 2019 when he was on the Chargers. Wayne Brown uh, missed half the season on the Texans. Cam Chancellor missed a couple weeks in the Seahawks. Um, if you go back to like the 80s and 90s, uh, there's some other examples. Joey Galloway, I think. Uh, Emmett Smith in the 80s. Anyways, the 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 number that actually Chris leads Johnson to held player, out for a long time, right? He did, but he never actually missed games. So okay, that's well, that's right. Yeah, he's slide. gone right before. And again, this next uh, list here, again, not comprehensive, but the number of holdouts that you can find resulting in players not missing games is like massive. And I don't have the. I wish I could tell you that it's like two percent or something. I don't have that exact number here, but the point being, like. The number of players that hold out and end up coming to camp either with a new contract or not before the season, that number is is huge. The number of players where this actually leads to players missing games is is really tiny. Um, so I think overall, like I, I do think the risk should be like I, I get why Barkley and Jacobs are being discounted slightly, but I think ultimately back to the point of leverage, like Jacobs, speaking of no leverage, Jacobs and Barkley have nearly zero leverage because they can't actually negotiate long-term contracts at this point. That deadline is passed. All, all they can do is they can get something in their contract that says we won't get tagged uh, the, the following year. Maybe that's what they're holding out for. I think they can get like a couple extra million dollars added to their one-year deal this year. So there are small things they can get, but like the long-term deal is is off the table for them already. So 
that, that's what I'm saying. Like rationally, I don't see any world where these players say, okay, in my contract year, when I'm fighting for a contract in 2024, I'm going to sit out, uh, you know, half the season and show that signal to teams. Um, like it, rationally, it makes no sense now. Well, they're, they're... Let's, let's just, I think there's an important caveat here. Like they are, they are not under contract. Both these players do not have contracts with an NFL team. And that, that was the case with Le'Veon Bell when he sat out. Like, he didn't hold out of his existing contract, right? He just refused to sign the franchise tag and the way this, the CBA works, which is, I, I mean, it's extremely unfair that the franchise tag exists, yeah, right? Yeah. Because you're saying you have to sign this one deal. You have no right to – you're essentially a free agent, but you're not allowed to negotiate with anyone but us. Uh, and you have to sign this, like, predetermined contract based on how many – you know, what people at your position get paid. So Le'Veon Bell is the second year that he was franchise tagged because he played under the franchise tag, I believe, in 2017 and then came back and got franchise tagged again. And then he sat out and refused to play under the franchise tag. I, Not that I think either Jacobs or Barkley would do that, but there is sort of a incentive to do that in some way where you, you have to be – it's not the most logical thing to do, but you could – potentially say i'm going to do what bell did sit out for the year and try to reach free agency without taking another year off my career by being a total workhorse and both of these guys are total workhorses they're going to they're going to take a lot of punishment this year and then they're going to hit free agency so it could be you i don't see either of them doing it but that would be the path is that you're talking yourself into self-preservation and i'll get my contract next year when i'm actually able to negotiate with other teams but i think and I could be wrong about this, but I'm pretty sure if they do that, their their contract doesn't like, or whatever, their tenure in the league. There is no contract. They don't have a but, contract. Okay, they don't have a contract. But if they, if they do what you're saying and sit out the entire year, the uh, their team still own their rights for next year. They can tag them again. They could tag them again. Yeah, they could tag them again and at the same, but not even at the elevated rate. At like the lower rate, they can tag them again. Yeah, but I think there's sort of a but. How did that go for you? Sort of. Thing. I mean, yes, you are right about that. They could just get franchise tagged again, but I think that that would be unlikely. Have having the player just sat out. But you're right. That is another thing for them to consider that they could they could just yeah. get tagged again. Um, but that would be a potential waste of the franchise tag for two straight seasons for, uh, you know. The, yeah, but who else are the Raiders going to tag? What are they going to tag? <laughs> That's Garoppolo? a good point. <laughs> yeah, like, the, I, like you, could, you could talk here. I guess I don't know the Giants roster inside and out, but you could talk themselves into using that tag on maybe someone else. But, like, who are the Raiders? I The thing is, these dudes are not missing time. They yeah, might they're, hold they're out. probably not missing time. Because yeah. they're like, also, yeah. They just have no, they have no leverage. They don't really increase their earning potential. They don't accrue a year of service time. It, it's honestly what it is. It's most likely to be this group of guys specifically who eat it. And then some, something, some sort of collective bargaining acquiescence is given by the league for running backs. Right. And I mean, everyone online has had ideas about this, like, performance-based bonuses, touch-based bonuses, where it's paid out, you know, it's it comes out of the the revenue that is earned by the players, right. like all, all kinds of people have had all these ideas. Uh, running back, uh, running backs only sign two-year contracts when they're drafted in the NFL. I draft. think that would, just, I think that would be horrible for them. I, I literally think they like, just all end up being, they'd all end up being seventh-round picks. Half of them would be happen. UDFAs. Yeah. Yeah. So, 
the point is, if I had to set a line, Barkley to me, I'd make it like minus 500. He's there week one, right? Jacobs, I don't, for whatever reason, I get the vibe that Jacobs might be a little bit more likely, you know, just for like, I do too now. And, I, and that's flipped for me. I thought Barkley was slightly more likely. Because Barkley, there's this, there's this quote going around. Barkley was doing this podcast, right? And the quote that went around was, oh, maybe I really will have to take it here. Maybe I really will have to say, fuck my teammates, you know, fuck my team, whatever. Yeah. But then the part of the quote that's not circulating is Barkley basically going like, I would never do that. I care about my teammates and stuff too much. Like, it's not it's not really in his nature. Um, it sucks for these guys. I feel for them. Obviously, labor should be compensated appropriately. And if you're going to get tackled 300 times in a season and literally risk like your brain health, your ability to walk properly, you should be paid a lot for that. Even if eggheads like us have said, Gus Edwards can do your job just as good as you can for winning games or whatever. But they're, they're just, there's just the way the CBA is structured leaves them no outs. They have, they have it's, no outs. They're just, fucked. it's the franchise tag. I mean, Charles Robinson was, I think it was on slow news day. I was, he was making the point that it's really just, it's got, it's the franchise tag. The only way to fix this is really the franchise tag. Um, the getting rid of it, or maybe, maybe if they do the, the idea players that, even like the franchise tag, or is there, I guess, does it work out for no. quarterbacks? That's how it got sold is that they were basically going to use it on quarterbacks, and that you know, that's why it's called the franchise tag, right? It's supposed to be for franchise players, but it's you know, a lot of times just used to keep a guy for like really cheap, you know, and and, and a guy whose career is you know, potentially only have one or two more good years, and you're able to keep him cost controlled. The combination of, I mean, in some ways, Jacobs is lucky because they didn't use the fifth-year option. I mean, he could be in a situation where he's still on his rookie deal right now and likely yeah. to get franchise tagged next year if he performs well. So that's what happened to Barkley. I just think it's such a – it's the it's the fifth-year option and franchise tag combo that's so brutal for the running backs. Barkley, Bar I just the, – the person who I really feel bad for is Saquon Barkley, who could have signed the largest running back contract in NFL history, had had <laughs> – had Dave Gettleman kept his job for another year. Um, it's really, it's so and, and really the thing is, is it's, it was Gettleman's poor choice to hire Joe judge, right? Because judge was so bad at his job that that ownership just had to clean it out. But had they kept, uh, you know, well, who's Jason Garrett was the coach before whatever. And had Garrett had like a respectable seven lot, seven wins. Is Joe judge with Garrett is the OC. Oh, right? that's right. Who was the coach before judge? Uh, well, was it, uh, was the guy with the there was there was a guy in between. Uh, there was a guy. Okay, all right, we're gonna. Didn't our prophecy come true? By the way, yes, we realized that, yeah, Fred, that Freddie we, Kitchen we realized was... that Freddie Kitchens was the offensive coordinator. So there was Pat Shermer in between. Uh, so it was Coughlin for a billion years. McAdoo, McAdoo gets fired midseason. Then oh, they hire McAdoo. Pat Shermer. It's McAdoo benched uh, Eli to end his streak, and that was the end for McAdoo. And Geno Smith started that game. What a yeah. butterfly. I was yeah. uh I was at Eli Manning's last ever home game to meet Patrick Laird. What a what a beautiful moment. Saquon Barkley, he had Saquon had like a billion fantasy points in that game. I think he had like 35 DraftKings points. But point being, Saquon Barkley didn't really do anything wrong um other than Dave Gettleman getting fired before he could give him like a yeah. hundred million dollars. So the last thing I'll say, like a lot of people in the chat are saying, oh, either they can do what you're saying, Pat, they can sit out the entire year, try to get a uh, hit free agency next year and sign a deal, or they can sit out uh, until like, I think it's like week eight or week 12 this year, which is the minimum games they have to play in order to accrue a season. So they can do that strategy that was talked about with Bell. Um, so that they would get franchise tagged again 
but at a higher rate. It would have it would force the team, team to yeah. franchise them at a higher level. So people are saying they can do that. Uh, one last thing on that, like who who are the GMs or who are the teams that are clamoring to sign Barkley and Jacobs after they just sat out an entire season? Like, does that I, matter I to the, you? I, I think the Le'Veon Bell. I think the Le'Veon Bell example is. I mean, Bell is kind of a similar age to what these guys were when they sat out a full year. Yeah, and he got fired uh, like one month after he yeah, made that yeah, signing. Yeah. I, I don't know. I'm just I'm just looking at the contract for running backs like this year. Like the maximum someone got per year, I think, was David Montgomery at like eight million. Like I don't know. Like if I'm these guys and I'm acting rationally, I'm just I'm playing this year. I'm getting my. 10 Isn't the rational move year. to to sit out as long as you can and then sign the tag? Well, why you, why isn't it rational to? You lose 600k per game that you do that. You lose your okay. game checks. So okay. you're you're only you'd only be getting paid like four million per year instead of ten million. You can so, sit, you're sitting out sixty percent of the year. Isn't it week twelve? I, I gotta check. I think it's I think it's, it's week, week it's, twelve. It's it's week ten. I remember from the week Vincent 10. Jackson thing. Vincent Jackson sat out until week ten and came back. Unless so you're the, sacrificing of your different now. Yeah, of your franchise tag of. 10 million you're sitting out 10 games at 600k per game then you're playing like that almost makes less sense to me than just sitting out the entire year you're risking coming back for 4 million for for the rest of the year i, I don't know like I, I yeah get, although like, you're showcasing that you, you're not dust is essentially what it is you're you're auditioning for a contract yeah i just think like i think it's possible like i'm not saying it's impossible these guys hold out but the Le'Veon Bell stuff was so bad. For, like financially, I do not think that was a win for him. He had the same thing where he, I think he was on the franchise tag and it was about the same amount of money as it, as it is now. Uh, I think it was like 10 to 12 million. He lost all of that. He did get a new deal with some guaranteed money, but I think if he had just He got $27 million guaranteed at signing with the Jets uh, yeah. and missed out on 14 and a half million the year before. I would say that was probably a win. You know, by today's and, standards, and, anyway. And he, he, you know, he got to release that rap album in the interim. So, you know. Yeah. I, I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe it wasn't a win. Because he probably would have gotten after playing. But the, you know, who knows? You he could have tore his Achilles. You never know, could've right? Could have tore his Achilles, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's impossible to know. But, like, I don't think you can look at that and say it's a clear win for Bell. I think he easily could have played, got his $14 million, and got a similar contract from some other team. So yeah, who knows? It's impossible to say. And it was but. such a the Jets ate it so hard on that. I think the issue for Jacobson and Barkley is like, what can they even get beyond this? Like, you know what I mean? Like, this is yeah. probably reflective of what they would make on the open market at this point in a year, in a year's time. Maybe it's not reflective of what they would make today, but in probably in a year, it probably is. So it, yeah. It's just such a shitty situation. You want there to be an answer for these guys, but they're probably just going to have to suck it up and play. Yeah. Um, so I've been taking Barkley. I've been pushing Barkley into the third round and trying to get him there. Um, or sometimes I'll take him in the late second if I feel like I'm like pairing him with guys that I haven't paired him with in the past and you know are kind of tougher to pair him with. Um, and then Jacobs, I'm I'm trying to get him in the late third. Uh, but I am taking Brees Hall over him now. Yeah. Uh, you just, but yeah, you I think just, getting both these guys at the discount Hall. is good. You just I love, love I mean, I love Brees Hall. I think yeah. Brees Hall could easily be the key to the season. I mean, he's just sure. 
he was so good last year and people are that's another one where like i've seen stuff where i mean this is twitter so there's a bunch of dumb stuff but it's like yeah he's like running at 23 miles an hour which is insanely fast but like talk to me when he's cutting at 100 <laughs> percent okay <laughs> like i'll talk like you're only gonna draft him if he's cutting at 100 percent like if he was cutting 100 percent like he'd probably be like the 106 so there's you know you're getting a discount on that yeah i i agree with those takes i'm 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 doing the same thing with Barkley and Jacobs. I, I think there's a conversation of do they actually hold out uh, and and cost themselves games this season? And there's a conversation of can this fear get worse and can you get them at better values? And I do buy that things are going to get worse for them in terms of the narrative and the news before they get better. You had the report today that Jacobs is flying uh, away from Las Vegas somewhere. He's not reporting the team. You're, you're going to get stuff like that. Like these guys are going to, act as if they're not going to show up for sure. Like all players yes. who are holding out, like act, act like that. Like that's the the point of holding out. You want the threat to be legitimate. Um, I don't, I don't buy. They're not going to play by, by week one or, or very early in the season this year. Um, but I do think the prices will get lower. So I agree with you, Pat. I am just holding off a little bit. Like if Jacobs is there, then the third, I'm still taking him. If Barkley's yep. there, pick 25, 26, I'm definitely clicking on him. Um, but yeah, I, I guess I am letting them slide a little bit. And like, like I'll probably take Derrick Henry over Barkley now, I guess. Yeah, like I'm doing that. Yeah, I was already taking Pollard. So part of the thing for me, this is kind of a blessing for me because I wasn't I have taking not, Barkley anyway. I wasn't taking Barkley. Yeah, I, yeah. I'm at three percent Barkley, uh, and I, I have I have I'm in a bunch of slows. I did the whole I did a mass enter slow over the weekend, so my life's gonna be gonna be pretty rough for the next couple weeks. But uh, I'm in like <laughs> I I literally max entered the puppy slow. The Pomeranian two and the Pomeranian but super flex slow. So I I did uh 250 slow drafts all at once. So I'll let you know how that goes. Um but so my Barkley exposure will be higher than this three percent because I am taking him yeah, at the end I've of the got, round. I've got five percent, but I have twenty one percent Pollard. So you can't okay, yeah. You can't do both. But I just felt like, you know, looking at Barkley's profile, like, you know, at this point I think his receiving ability is a little bit overrated. Uh, he's still a very strong breakaway rusher, um, but it's and sort someone, of like, I mean, look, they got they got 900 slot wide receivers who are going to be running in that that yeah. area of the field. Like Barkley might actually have to block more. This yeah, year. like, in, like yeah. as a pass as a pass blocker, he's he's going to hold off whatever other running backs as, as far as receiving duties. But I don't know that he's like a special receiving weapon by you know once you once you factor in the 900 slot receivers they have. Uh, so I just didn't really love him as a pick. So to get him, so it's kind of a blessing that now I can like push him and take him. Oh, I'm taking Henry for for sure over him. Um, yeah. But if he gets past, like if he's in, the, it's like Ramondre versus Barkley. I'll go ahead and take Barkley. You know, because yeah. Bar if Barkley's playing, I have no concerns that he's getting all the work. Whereas Ramondre, I'm starting to get more nervous about that. Yeah, the the Barkley as a volume play thing is interesting because I remember. <laughs> When you originally published your legendary upside piece, which I think was two years ago at this point, right? Uh, 2021. 20, I th yeah, 2020, I think, was the first year I did Oh, 2020. Whatever, whatever the first yeah, year you did remember. it was. I remember it was. Yeah, whatever it was. I, I just, I think it was, yeah. Whatever. It might have been 2021. It might have been 2021. Yeah. yeah. I remember I, I applied, like, your criteria against some statistics, and I came to the same conclusion, even back then in 2021, that, like, hey, you know, obviously Barkley's rookie year, that was insane efficiency, really talented player. Besides his rookie year, he kind of has been more of a bet on volume than mm -hmm. on efficiency. Uh, and that's been true kind of for a while. So I, I do kind of buy that. 
at the same time, like it's such a good bet on volume. If it's yeah, it's such an easy bet on volume. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and like the the long runs, I you know he still has that in his bag. He does that well. Yeah. So, anyways, let's let's talk. Um, let, let's maybe move away from the we, running backs. Just on Jacobs, real quick. It's like yeah, go ahead. I do. I do think like with Jacobs too. Like I am underweight Jacobs as well, but he's some I would like to get. Um, I'm at five percent Jacobs, and I've done some some of the higher stake stuff with him. So I, I'm kind of been more in on Jacobs uh, than Barkley for sure. But like the Raiders just being like an absolute dumpster fire is also like a potential question with him, right? So I've I've definitely I mean, I'm I'm not that worried about that in general. Okay. Like they're they're Jimmy just G's not, playing they, now, practicing. They now. weren't that they weren't that good last year, anyways. You know, like they were kind of like scrappy, whatever. It just it seems like it's going to be the same thing. Like I don't know. You could argue that having Renfro and um, Jacoby Myers is better than that running out like Mac Hall. There, there was another guy there who was like an all-time win sprinter. I, I even forget his name. Um, oh, Demarcus Robinson. Demarcus Robinson was yeah. win sprinting for the Raiders <laughs> last year. So and and wide receiver two know, for the Rams. And you don't have and you don't have the will he won't he thing with Waller happening every single week. Like it it. And look, to be honest, there's no difference between Jimmy Garoppolo and Derek Carr. I'm sorry if you're one of those people who believes that there is. There, they're just really, yeah. there really is. There really isn't. I mean, the numbers for Jimmy G and Derek Carr aren't even close in that Jimmy G is Jimmy way G's better. much better. Yeah, yeah. way better. Yeah. So you can say, oh, it's all Shanahan, but you have to say that, and then you have to like regress it. Even like you gotta regress the shit out of Jimmy G to get him to 2022 Derek Carr. 2022 Derek Carr was like already bad and jacobs yeah. and Devonte smash so that that's the I, thing that, yeah i think like, jimmy g is definitely i i would i would say Carr is a better quarterback than jimmy g I mean, we can say that right but can the thing is can you say that 2022 version of Derek carr is like better than jimmy g i think it, i think Derek it's, carr yes i expect bad. i expect the raiders to be worse this year with jimmy g under center but remember like it, it's so easy it's so easy to forget these things out of being, you know, when you're not in the inner workings of the season, but like the Raiders were not a team you ever wanted to bet on. They were, there was the, the there was stories going around reporting going around that they wanted to fire Josh McDaniels, but the owner is too cheap. So he didn't want to pay out his guaranteed money. So they just had to keep letting him coach. Like, it's not like the Matt Patricia Raiders. joining the staff this year to, to uh, right. Like it's, it, this is not a situation where Devonte Adams and Josh Jacobs no, to redesign the building. It. Yeah, I'm with, I'm with team, you, Davis. It's the, like it, it the, doesn't the, matter. There's this perception that oh, the, the Raiders in 2022 were like so awesome. Like Jimmy G's going to come in and ruin everything. Like last year was they fucking no, benched Derek I mean, Carr not, for not, Jared That's Stim. not Sam. No one's saying that's the total straw man. No one is. Yeah, saying, no, I know, no, but no, I love no, arguing. No, no. I love in, arguing incorrect. against straw man. It, incorrect. This is not <laughs> true. true. People are people are are hardcore doing this. Derek Carr is it. way worse. The Raiders are going to be awful type thing. Cause I, I tweeted this the other day about Devonte Adams, about how I think he's a better pick than St. Brown and Garrett Wilson. And, and almost like half the replies are like, yes, this is obviously true. The guy who has been one of the five best receivers in fantasy for the last five years is still good. And then the other half of the people are like, I can't believe you would draft a guy catching passes from Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, basically completely negating that like George Kittle has gone completely nuclear and Debo Samuel had like the greatest efficiency season a wide receiver has ever had with Jimmy Garoppolo. Like just it, it, the Jimmy hate, like sure. That's if I fun. wanted to win games, maybe I'd rather take Carr. 
but the Raiders were six and 11 last year. They had a negative 23 point differential. Like they were bad. And it, it just, it simply, it simply did not matter. It did not matter to Devontae Adams and Josh Jacobs. And I don't think it yeah. will this year either. Yeah. It's just a, it's just like, I don't love it if I'm drafting a running back that I think his team might be like, and what outs do they have to be good? So I don't know. I, I'm still drafting him at the end of the third for sure. I have seen like some stuff where he's fallen into the fourth and that, I mean, that's... I would take him. I would take him. If it's, if it's between Jameer Gibbs and Najee Harris and Travis Etienne or Josh Jacobs, I, I don't Josh even have Jacobs to think I'm, I'm clicking that. Yeah. You know that, you know, that line in uh, the second Jurassic park where he's like, if you if you accidentally shoot yourself with this dart, like don't do it because you're going to be dead before you even realize it. That's how fast I'm clicking. Josh yeah. Jacobs over those guys. I'm well, like that's... I'm like immediately clicking. When I see stuff like that, I guess what I'm saying with Jacobs is that I'm I'm tempted to get greedy. Is really what I'm saying because like this additional thing of like, is, are the Raiders going to suck so bad and all? Because I see I see like the screenshots of fourth round Josh Jacobs and I'm like. That would be nice, but the only way to get it is to pass on third round Josh Jacobs, which I am taking. So I'm like, should I should I like yeah. gamble a little bit and see if I can get some sweet sweet fourth round Josh Jacobs? Um, but other but but probably not. I probably should just take the the late third round discount. I think I'm just gonna take yeah because that's I thought about that too, Pap. Then I'm just like, what is the wide receiver that I'm taking there where I couldn't just be just as happy with the wide receiver I'll get on the on the way yeah. around? It's like, is am I that excited about getting Amari Cooper instead of Terry McLaurin or, or whatever? I'm just like, I'll probably just yeah. You need to do it for Lamar like, or, or yeah, like Lamar if, if Lamar's there. And got Jacobs as well or something. Those you guys are you guys are are Metcalf haters, so I can see you ending up with more more Jacobs. <laughs> I, I can't. You're taking the Candyman at like 301. It makes no sense. No, no. Well, the thing the thing is, is I, I take Debo. That. I take Debo over Metcalf. Um, so how I, do you I have actually, any? I mean, I don't have that much, right? Okay. I don't, I, it's like uh, I. It's just like in a vac, like in a vacuum. I like Metcalf more than you guys. Uh, I've got I've got nine percent Metcalf and I've got eleven percent Debo. So it ju- I guess that's just the way it's worked out. I have ten percent Debo, but I, I have like one percent Metcalf. I never get, I've never seen Metcalf. I just like don't even see him because I usually take a non wide receiver in the early third round, and then he's gone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's let's move on uh, from the running backs to talk about Burks and Aconquo. They they both show up here as two of the biggest fallers. Uh, obviously, due to the Hopkins news, Burks is down about ten spots to pick eighty. Aconqua down in seven spots to pick 135. Um, to me, or I guess, uh, Davis, starting with you, what do you think about Burks now at, at pick 80? Do you think this fall is justified? Um, are you taking him there? Uh, what are your thoughts? I mean, it's uh, this is this is uh, one of the most classic cases of volume versus efficiency stuff. You know, mm-hmm. like the raw target projection for Traylon Burks inarguably went down, but his... Mm-hmm uh his his um just the overall level of efficiency of, of the titans offense i mean i don't know how, how what what is the difference between kyle phillips and deandre hopkins worth to an offense you know or, or nick westbrook akine versus deandre hopkins like it's it's absolutely massive i mean there is yeah. a chance that the titans offense actually comes close to being like league average in terms of efficiency like yards and points per game N- not only because i think hopkins is still pretty good but because 
This is sort of something that uh, soccer analytics has turned up over the years, which is that having the best players obviously matters, but you see a huge dip in the inefficient uh, in efficiency when you have the worst player on the field. And Nick Westbrook, right. Akine, and these guys would have been some of the worst starting wide receivers in the NFL. So, yeah, weak Burks, link systems, right? It's like what's right. what yeah. things on the NFL are you? Like offensive line, I think is generally considered weak link. Like you don't want to have to play a terrible guy. Yeah, and I think receiver receivers interesting because it's sort of both. Like you superstars matter, but also well, you don't and it, be it depends on like jags. the role. It depends on like the role they're playing. So like on the Eagles, it doesn't matter because Quez Watkins is just clearing out for those guys. But in the Titans, he's offense, good at what he does. At least in in, yeah. he's in fast the Titans enough offense, to be out there. Like fucking Chris Moore would have had to have been trying to earn targets for them to get first downs the way yeah. the way their offense runs, you know, because their second tight end, they they have no no receiving tight ends. Every other tight end on their roster, Trevon Wesco, Kevin Rader, Alizy Mack, like all these are guys are all blocking tight ends. So they have no one else who could have earned any targets. I I did not have very much Burks before because of uh, well, actually, honestly, because when I was setting up like Houston. Tennessee stuff. I it was because I already had uh, Derrick Henry, and I I don't think you want Henry with his teammates. Like the the whole idea is that Henry just dominates the way he had like dominates touchdowns the way he has in the past. But Chig, I actually love now because Chig is he is he's like to me he's an arbitrage on on Burks where it's like sure Burks is cheaper now but still relatively expensive. But it, like if the theory is. The Titans offense is better. They're going to be on the field more. They're going to have more scoring drives. Chig seems like actually, because tight ends really like in the range where Chig is going, it's like if he scores five touchdowns, he has a bad season. But if he has nine touchdowns, it's a good season. And nine touchdowns feels way more likely for him now. Uh, additionally, because I the Levis risk went from like 50% to like 15%. Um, so yeah, yeah, that's where that's where I'm at on the Titans. That's interesting. Pat, what are, what are your thoughts on these guys, Burks and Conquell? I lowered Burks, um, and he, you know, he definitely looks. I think his range of outcomes is is worse now, um, but it's tighter, right? So it's like before yeah. you had this Levis risk, which created some real low end outcomes for Burks because we're not sure how good Burks is. So it's so you could have this combination where it's like Burks is not good, and Will Levis is his quarterback. That is a horrendous pick you know, at the late sixth round or mid sixth round or whatever. But you also had scenarios where he was like an alpha and playing with Ryan Tannehill for the whole year. And those are off the table now too. So yeah. I think he's on an offense that we now expect to be probably um, playing Tannehill for, you know, most of the season, uh, unless things really fall off the rails. But, you know, he's probably not that great if things completely fall off the rails. So, I just think like now we're looking at a, a range of outcomes that's like a bit more predictable. Some of the highs are off the table. Some of the low lows are off the table. I had him as a as a target before, and I have him as a target now. I, I, I think kind of in the like early seventh feels fine to me when I look at it. And then uh, once you factor in the ADP, like I, I want to be getting him closer to his actual ADP more like mid to late seventh. I was also overweight him to begin with. So I'm kind of like trying to push it a little bit, try to get all like squeeze the, all the value out of the room now, um, having been overweight before his value dropped. So 
Uh, that's where I'm at on Burks. Oconco, I'm still Oconco is sort of the opposite. I had him as overvalued before, and I have him as overvalued now, but it's just not quite as bad. But I, I think his projection, I mean, I think his upside without Hopkins was higher. I mean, you, you were looking at the potential for it to be a Falcon situation where it's two guys on the whole offense catching passes, you know, and one of them's got tight end eligibility. And now uh, See, you know, but I, I never foresaw Chig as a guy who was going to earn like 105 targets, you know? Like, I just, I don't, it, that just didn't really seem like the Titans way, you know? Like, the offense was just going to be so hard to watch. It was going to be a lot of three and outs, you know, all that, all that type stuff. But like, just being, uh, I mean, what do you think his route participation is going to be? Like, it's going to be pretty high, right? Especially because there's not really, I don't a third think it'll be very high. Okay. Okay. So his problem, I I think, is he's he last year he was well. This is me saying this, but I think the Titans thought he was too small to handle uh, some of the the snaps where they need him in there as a blocker. So that's why even by the end of the year last year, Jeff Swaim and Austin Hooper, those guys were still like out snapping him in a lot of games. But the thing is, is there there's not a Swaim or a Hooper. Like I'm telling you, go look at their depth chart, dude. Hmm. Travon Wesco, Josh Weil. I literally don't know who that is. Kevin Rader. Thomas Odioka, Justin Rigg, Alizy Mack. Like there, there is not even a, there's not even a Jeff Swaim level guy. Yeah. But in fairness, like you could name a bunch of offensive linemen. I wouldn't know who they were. Like these dudes who block on our radar, like they're there. No, no, these, these are all, these are all blocking guys, but the Titans have always under Vrabel have always had tight ends be involved as pass catchers. Right. They have. Yeah. I, I think his upside case is kind of like a Jonu Smith type situation. Where yes. He's... That's that's literally what I'm saying is like 83 targets, but nine touchdowns. But Smith wasn't running like all the routes. Right. Well, even he was kind of a. Yeah. Maybe, he, I, he maybe playing, I'm misremembering that. But he had a bigger right. role than than Chig did, I think. But he still was not. Um, so in, in 2020. No, Jonu was running all the routes. He had oh, okay. he had five games with over eighty six percent of the snaps, and he was over seventy wow. percent in all games but three. So he was he was the lead tight end in twenty twenty, and he had sixty five targets and nine touchdowns. Right, so like that's really what you're saying, Chig can do. Um, I guess my it's problem, efficiency, with, yeah. yeah. Either way, yeah. either way you do it, it's it's, it's an efficiency play. I guess my problem with Jake is like if I'm making the the touchdown bet, and I agree that like he looks like a talented player. When he gets the ball, it's like fun to watch him in the open field. I I, I agree he can break off some you know long runs and have good TD efficiency. But if I'm purely making just like the touchdown bet on a player, I feel like there's guys that are cheaper that I can do it with. Like Gerald Everett, not a sexy name, but he's on the Chargers offense. He goes like two rounds later. Irv Smith's on the Bengals. I could see scenarios where he walks into 10 touchdowns, just pure luck this year. Yeah. Um, Tyler Conklin with Aaron, if Aaron Rodgers well, is going to yes. be good. I mean, we can play, we can play pin the tail on the, on yeah. this year's Gary Barnage, right? Exactly. That's I, what I'm thinking. It's, I'm it's saying, so unpredictable that like, should I have to I like for Chig, that? So base case is I like Chig, the player. Like, I think he's good. So if he's getting a little bit cheaper, but I actually think the offense is going to be better. Their their median expectation for like points scored. Then my if those are the priors, then my updated take should be I'm actually a little bit more interested in Chig now because so I, I never, never thought bought, he was going to earn that many targets. I haven't loaded in Week 18 into my spreadsheet from last year because um, <laughs> why would I? Uh, but the 
through weeks one from one weeks one through seventeen last year, how many times do you think Chigakonkwo ran at least sixty percent of routes? Probably probably none. Two. Zero. He was at fifty fifty percent, looks like four times. Fifty percent or plus yeah. four times. To be fair to him, though, like I bet his rel participation, given that he was a rookie, is pretty strong, right? Like, there's not we don't expect rookies to run sixty percent. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, sure it was. Yeah, I uh, my prior for a rookie tight end is like, was he able to get on the field at all for a coach that like hates playing rookies? And he was. Yeah, but I don't know that like. I mean, this it's is a size thing with him. He's so he's small for a tight end. That's the thing that like, I think there's a legitimate reason to think he might not ever get like the thing that's misunderstood about tight ends, I think is like people are like, oh, you don't want them to be good blockers. Well, they have to be good enough to be in line in three wide receiver sets, like to provide some yes. plausible. Yeah, like they, they have to be able to do confident blocking and like at his size and how they used him last year, there's questions if he can do that i'm not saying it's impossible but there's big questions if he can i think yeah i don't like this narrative that like we don't want tight ends to block because i mean blocking like first of all tight ends mostly block on running plays it's not all that common for a tight end to be blocking on passing they will have the tight end stay in and do some additional yeah protection. kevin kevin raider is going to be blocking on passing plays for yeah but but generally generally if you have a tight end out on the field on a passing play he runs a route uh it's like, you know, your George Kittles and stuff are primarily blocking on running plays. Um, maybe they're chipping. Maybe they're doing – so that it gets a little complicated. Sometimes they do like a chip and then run a route. But, you know, I want snaps. You know, I want these guys yeah. to be out there. And Conquo does profile as kind of a part-time rotational guy, which isn't my favorite archetype. By the way, if we're looking for tight ends who flash something, how many times do you think Jelani Woods had a 60%-plus route rate? Three. Twice. So, I mean – I mean, you're I just know. the the Jelani Woods. The Jelani Woods take is that he goes three catches, three yards, three touchdowns in week 17. In the right the week. Yeah. 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 He feels about as live to do that as a Conquo to me. Not that I would take him over a Conquo, but I don't know. I've just always felt like, man, we're really excited about a Conquo when he's probably a part time player on a not great offense. Yeah. I mean, the, the case for him, I don't have the stats with me right now, but, like, if you look at the yards for route run, targets for route run stuff with the Conquo, it's, like, it's truly some insane stuff. And I, I'm fearful of, like, chasing that in small samples. That's that's how you end up with Alberto, right? But, uh, yeah, the efficiency was really I, – I, I guess I'll say this. I get why he's ranked in this order amongst tight ends. I am just very wary of chasing this tier of tight ends um, in drafts. Yeah. Yeah, um, me too, especially on rookie efficiency numbers. You know, he ran uh, less than 200 routes last year. So it is like, he's good. I mean, he, he was he's better than we thought, and he's probably a pretty good NFL player, but I think most likely he's a part-time player. Um, he's he's a good yards after catch producer, so it's not just touchdowns. I mean, he can he can make plays in a way that, like, Trey McBride is not going to make plays like Chigakonkwo did. No. Yeah, he can he can break tackles. He can yeah. If you're looking for the big play archetype, like I, I get it with Jake. He he looks like a baller in the open field. Um, for sure. Let's talk. Let's talk. Uh, Kendra Miller. He's kind of an interesting one. Um, he was placed not on the pup list. Uh, we talked a lot of pups so far, but he was placed on the non-football injury list this past week. 
Uh, he did have injury concerns leading up into the draft. I believe an MCL injury of sorts at TCU. Um, so this was like somewhat expected that it'd be banged up. Um, the non-football injury uh, designation, I'm a little confused by that, but um, there hasn't been a ton of reporting, so I don't know how to act on this. Pat, I, I, I liked Kendra um, at sort of his price leading up to this. I've been a little scared by the injury news. How are you? How are you reacting to this? Yeah, I've kind of had spurts with Kendra where I was pretty excited, like real early on, and then I got pretty nervous because you know I was thinking like he's, you know, he is probably going to miss some. You know, he, he had been missing the mini camp stuff, and I was like wondering if maybe the market wasn't factoring that in. And then uh, I saw some stuff where like Nick Underhill was saying like, man, Kendrick could maybe just run away with this thing. If like he gets out there enough, they're really excited about him um, and all that. And then I was like, Oh, I'm back in. And now I'm kind of back out. So all, all throughout, <laughs> yeah. like I've been very kind of uh, inconsistent here, but I have 10% of them. So I am overweight on him, uh, but it does make me nervous as someone who's overweight on him, especially because now, you know, the Camara thing, the range of outcomes on that has also tightened. Like he's going to get suspended now, but probably for four to six games, um, he's not going to miss like the whole season. He's not going to go. He pled to a misdemeanor. So felony stuff is off the table. I think that helps him um, just keep that suspension from like ballooning. Right. So we now look at Miller and, and it's like, it's harder to see kind of the, oh my God, like you had to have Miller outcomes. Um, and it makes me a little bit more comfortable uh, moving to other guys, given that I am overweight now. Got I've it. got I've got two percent of him, and that feels too high because <laughs> there's no way that all the things that ADP are assuming to be true, like ADP is assuming Kamara is the starter when he gets back from suspension. Assuming that Jamal Williams is going to have a goal line, goal line role, assuming that Taysom Hill retains his Taysom Hilly fullback, backup tight end, H back, goal line back role to some degree. You know, like Kendra Miller is the guy who gets squeezed in, in this timeline. Um, now, Jamal Williams could just suck. Alvin Kamara could, could suck. Like there's, there's totally paths. I don't think you're like brain dead for taking him but just the way I'm building my portfolio where like, I like Kamara a little bit more than you guys. I love Taysom. I think Jamal Williams is going to play, you know, like Jamal Williams has kind of always played. Like, remember how much we used to hate Jamal Williams in the backfield with Aaron Jones. Like he's just always going to kind of linger a little bit. Yeah. You know, if we're, there's probably going to be a TDP or an Isaiah Spiller this year. And I would say Kendra Miller's the early favorite, right? Yes, I agree. Probably. I mean, yeah, it, it's weird. In, uh, I was looking at it a little bit more. Nick Underhill actually tweeted that it's not a medical issue, but technically the list he's placed on like in definition has to be a medical issue. So maybe what Underhill meant by that is the chiefs. I mean the, the chiefs, sorry, the saints aren't worried that it's like a long-term issue or something. Who knows? It, it, it's weird. I guess like I was having a hard time clicking him when Algier was behind him, I think Bigsby was behind him for a while. Jalen mm -hmm, Warren, mm -hmm. just, just guys. I feel a lot better. That's when I was having a hard time clicking too. Yeah. He's, he's exactly. get, he is getting into a range where I feel more comfortable taking him now for sure. Yeah. Like I, I've seen him fall to like the one sixties now with this, with this stuff. And I've been like, sure. I'll take him there. I mean, he's still, he was an early third round pick. So 
I, I like that about him. Um, but yeah, it's a it's a weird situation. But like Bigsby, it's tough because like you can dream on Miller more, you know. So I get why he was going ahead, especially with the Kamar stuff really up in the air. And you can dream that, like, look, he's just the best guy right away. Jamal Williams is like, really? Like, we're scared of Jamal Williams? Like, if Miller's good, like, you don't have to worry about Williams that bad. And then, you know, Kamara comes back from a long suspension and it's kind of dusty and and it's just like Miller, Miller season the whole year. But that feels pretty thin now. <laughs> and then, on the other hand, Tank Bigsby, like, there, I've only seen positive stuff about him and He's getting talked up a little bit as a receiver, which isn't really his profile. I mean, he's a competent receiver, but that's, you know, he could be like a committee back all season, and there is no number three on that roster. So he's he's going to be – like he has to suck not to play like a, a, a fair amount, uh, and that yeah. gives him contingent value as well. So Bigsby, I think, easily over Kendra now. Yeah, and if you want to talk someone even later, also a third-round pick, Tajay Spears goes like four rounds later and I get it. Like mm. Tajay Spears has no chance to overtake Henry in a way that Kendra could overtake the other guys. I, I get that part of it, but he looks like a very locked in clear number two as well. Given his draft capital, given the Haskins off the field stuff. I mean, who look at the Tennessee depth chart and tell me uh, who's, who's going to play there over Spears. So um, he's one. And he's in one a role like they, they've carved out that passing back, role with Dontrell Hilliard, who is no longer on the team. So, you know, I think he's, he could have a little bit of standalone value in, in best ball in a best ball sense. You never yeah. know when to start him, but a little bit of standalone value, even if, if Henry is healthy. Yeah. Agreed. Let's uh, move on uh, to the risers here quickly. Um, so the largest risers over the past week in ADP sky Moore's, up at the top again. I, I don't really. Uh, hey, did it. anyone pick him as a riser on this show? Wait until Rich, well, buddy. I think I forgot to record it that week. Wait until <laughs> wait until Richie James is a wait until Richie James is a 14th round pick. Every he is, every, he is pretty high. He he moves every, up. Every Chiefs beat writer and every Chiefs receiver, they're all saying like the beat writers are saying he's killing it, and the other receivers are like Richie James is a baller. Like Sky Moore, Sky Moore and Rashi Rice were talking to the reporters, and they were like, "Richie James is fucking lit, dude. <laughs> He's making the team." And if Tony is injured and not ready, I like I would make it. I would make it even money that Richie James is is on the active roster week one if Tony's injured. Yeah, I, I mean that almost feels light because wouldn't he be the punt returner if Tony's injured? Well, I think he's the punt returner anyways. That's been, okay. that's been this, my, my take this whole time has been he backdoors his way to the active roster the same way Pacheco did over Ronald Jones last year, which is that he, he plays on special teams. Cause mm-hmm. not only Pacheco can return too, right? He's the kick returner. I don't think you, I don't think you want, I don't think you want your starting running back week one when your backups. No, fair, fair. I'm just saying that's how he, in. yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. I'm just saying that's kind of how he snuck on last year. Is that, is that what your point was? But Sorry, not, not punt return. Yes. I think it was a kick return. Yes, kick he, return, was, yeah. he was the, he was the, he was the kick returner. And yeah, yeah. I, I never in my life can watch Sky Moore return another punt. Like if it just, it he was, he had to have been the worst almost in NFL history at it. I mean, he was so bad. He, I think he muffed four on like 16 <laughs> attempts. Like it, 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 it was, it was, un, it, it was, was so untenable. It wasn't um, good. It's it's so the risers we we already talked a lot about Tennessee. I mean, do we need to do we need to say no, anything I more think, about Tennessee? 
I think we skipped the Tennessee guys. I, I, yeah, I am interested in Zamir White. He's a guy. I know we talked Jacobs. We didn't talk the backups uh, in, in Las Vegas. I guess starting with you, Davis. Like I get the thesis with White, but he was healthy scratched all of last year's pretty much. Uh, I mean, so, it's about like, as it's about as McDaniel's as it gets, where he would just rather play Amir Abdullah and Brandon Bolden, right? I yeah. mean, he he just he really he really rather would um, now. But how they possibly also can we be that that he's going to play like be the number two to Jacobs if Jacobs? I I am not as confident out. as I'm not as confident as other drafters that he's for sure ahead of Austin Walter and Britton Brown. I'm really not. I mean, he probably is like on the balance of probability, but I don't I don't think uh, I don't think this is a case of uh, you know a Dalvin Cook to Alexander Madison thing where they're like, okay, you're just going to play Dalvin Cook's role like. Brandon Bolden and Amir Abdullah uh, just call them the inconvenient truth, right? The actual inconvenient truth, not Travis Homer. Like this dude, uh, like Bolden and Abdullah were playing last year on third downs a little bit anyways, even while Jacobs was doing his thing. So that's probably going to happen again, I would imagine. Yeah, this this has kind of been a point of emphasis for me as I've looked at stuff um, that I don't want to be taking the, the Zamir Whites of the world based on the fantasy community's assessment of the situation, right? Like that's that's the, t- the type of play that I want to do less of. If we have reports that Zamir White's ready to go, you know, yeah. he's quote ready to go as the, as the early down back. If Jacobs doesn't show up like, all right, you know, if he's the clear number two, he's get, he looks great. He's getting, he's repping with the ones he's clearly ahead. I will take Zamir White, but sure, I sure take him in the fourteenth round. I don't care. Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah. Take him in the fourteenth round with information that he's actually yeah. got a role, as opposed to there's because there is opportunity cost. You can take a third quarterback to help you advance. You can take many tight ends who will score points for you in the last round. You can take there's solid like veteran like you know they're not great. I, I've tweeted about some of them. You're not going to be super psyched about the receivers, but they have roles, and then. There's also rookie wide receivers who I think are pretty interesting, who we expect to be out there on the field, at least at the end of the season. So there's, I think, somewhat significant underrated opportunity cost in trying to predict these backfields. We don't have a ton to go on. The other thing is that if Jacobs doesn't sign, they're not signing someone. They're not signing Kareem Hunt. You know, I I just I just don't even like a Kenyon Drake type. They'll sign someone like that. Yeah, exactly. Kenyon Drake. That's a great that's a great name. I mean, he's been with the team before so i uh yeah i just don't want to be making this play without information yeah so i i i agree with you and i did a little thread on the difference between redraft and best ball and i think samir white is an awesome example where if i had to draft a redraft team right now i might take samir white in like the 12th or 13th and i'd be totally fine with it because i'm, I'm doing I my could, first ffpc yeah. main event slow right now and like we'll probably take multiple guys like samir white Exactly, because you can you of cut course. your twelfth round picks all the time. Like maybe twelfth is aggressive, but you, you get the point, right? Like I'd take him super aggressively in redraft because if he doesn't have a role, you know what? I, I've caught a twelfth round pick after week one all the time. Like it, it also like all the time. If you start Devontae Parker or Robert Woods or you know any of these other dust ball, I pick those two because Sam's touted Parker and I've touted Woods. But like those guys are not dudes you want in your starting lineup in a managed league, like ever. I mean, maybe in your worst bye week situation. Yeah. But you can go find that bye week fill in that week. You know, you want to be, t- you want to be swinging for the fences and the opportunity cost 
is much lower in some ways because you the floor um, of what you need is a lot higher. That one random spike week doesn't get in your lineup because you're never going to have them in uh, in the first place. So, yeah, swing for the fences when you uh, can can use the waiver wire to your advantage that way. Yeah, and I agree with it. Like people in the chat are saying, some builds make sense to take Zamir with the sure. last pick. I don't. Yeah, sure. I'm not saying never take him, but this is not the type of guy I want to be overexposed to. Like zero RB build. I feel like I need a home run swing in the 18th round. Sure. Yes. Sure. I'm also structuring my teams. I'm structuring my teams a little bit more with the idea that I don't want to be needing that back. So I'm trying to, I'm prioritizing my RB four, my RB five a little bit more. Like if I'm building a two, five, nine, two, I'm trying to have that RB five be someone who I pretty confident has a job. Yeah. Another one I want to bring up here, uh, not highlighted, but Leonard Fournette is is kind of a funny one. I think he's up purely because there was reports that he's still out there looking for jobs. Uh, I guess he was visiting with New England and that that got some buzz. So that sent his ADP up 10 spots, basically just with the idea that he is looking to play football. So to me, that's just a signal of like wherever he signs. And, and we've seen this with DeAndre Hopkins. Like even if it's a bad landing spot, people rise because of the certainty. Which makes sense to some extent, but I think is irrational to some extent. Well, so. I, I started taking him higher because I, I mean, if he signs with New England, they're going to give him the ball a lot. Like, I I, fe- I I am fearing for Ramondre if they sign Leonard Fournette. Like, that is, the, that is the nut worst guy because Fournette yeah. can do both things. He can do goal line stuff and third down stuff, and his coaches have deployed him that way in the past. So, I mean, I would take Fournette in, like, the 10th round, I think, if he signed with the Patriots. Like, he he would be yeah, an extremely good pick. Pick one thirty, pick one twenty, something like that. That that's the thing. He's I, I mean I don't see many worlds where he doesn't rise there. Maybe someone can find a really weird landing spot that I'm not thinking of, but like he's gonna rise. And you know maybe you can say I don't care about CLV value. Like I don't want any Leonard Fournette this year. If that's your stance, fine. I, I don't agree with it, but I get it. Like if you want any exposure to him, like. I don't get why you're not just loading up now. Like, and look, like you, you don't have to, like you can go overweight Leonard Fournette in a season in which you are underweight Leonard Fournette. You know what I mean? It is still July. You could be overweight, and I am. I have 20% Leonard Fournette. So I'm just sort of, this is me talking myself off the ledge here. I've taken Leonard Fournette 20% of the time and on some of my higher stake stuff. So I would really like for Leonard Fournette to sign somewhere soon, jump up in ADP value. It's, you know, I'm doing enough drafts where it's plausible that I have like seven and a half percent Leonard Fournette um, in my overall portfolio. If I, if I can get enough August drafts in, um, but I have him at a really good price. So I think that's one of the things about closing line value to think through is like, if you, you know, you got, you don't got to gotta go to 20% like I did, but if you're at 13%, 14%, you feel uncomfortable with that. You just need the play to hit. And then you don't have to take him once in the 10th round, which is pretty, it's going to feel pretty sweet to just pass on him constantly if he goes to the 10th round. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, yeah, and I, I mean, I did, you can do that approach pre-draft too. Like I think Nico Collins, like Alan Lazard, mm. these, these are guys, examples of guys that were going like the 160s pre-draft that we were hammering. And it's the same thing we talked about. Like I am fine being overexposed to Alan Lazard at pick 160 before the NFL draft and taking just absolutely zero of them now. Like 
that that I think is a viable strategy because if he does have the weird season with Rodgers where he lucks into 10 touchdowns and 900 yards or whatever and you needed him one week like I'll have some of him so yes anyways that's it that's a good point anybody else on on this list um that you guys want to talk through I think we've I think I think we should talk about Chubb actually um it's, it feels up. it feels like a structural thing with Chubb. Like it's nothing about him. It's just that people are feeling uncertain about the guys around him. Yeah. You know, uh, like people. Well, are other running backs, like, you mean? Yes. Yeah. They're yeah. like, well, Barkley, whatever. Jacobs, whatever. And also, I've noticed um, people doing this. Like they don't care about the difference at all between CD Garrett Wilson, Amon Ross, St. Brown, and Devontae Adams when they're picking at that turn. They're like, I don't care which one of those guys I get. So let me take Chubb. And I'll just take whichever wide receiver remains. It is tough to decide between that group. Um, and then you also have the situation where if you're at the 12 spot, you're probably not getting Jacobs, you know, even with his fall, you know, Brees is off the board. So you're looking potentially at like a Keenan Allen, you know, Debo, or maybe you go Gibbs, but it's, you're kind of in you're solidly in that next tier of receivers, but the running back tier has also hit. So you could easily go four straight wide receivers out of the gate um, out of that spot. Sometimes I like that spot because I, I feel like I, I just like miss zero running back and I, I don't do it very, very often from any other spot. But if you're not trying to do zero running back, then taking Chubb helps you avoid, you know, a four straight wide receiver start. Yeah. What do you think about Chubb, Pat, in like the like in terms of the legendary upside screener? Because he's he's a really interesting one um, from that lens, where you know he's never really had a full workload. He, he's never really caught passes, um, but he's just so efficient. And I think there's a potential. I'm not saying this is projected or likely, but Deshaun Watson has been on you know top five NFL scoring offenses before. Like there's a chance he's this amazing player on a really good offense, right? In a place where he has no backup. So I don't know. I've struggled with that. Like, what do you think like in half PPR about, about Chubb's upside at the one, two turn? I mean, if you're looking for like the legendary outcome, Chubb really isn't your guy. I mean, he he's had so few receptions, you know, he's, he's, he's a lot closer to Derrick Henry and Kenneth Walker than he is, you know, even to guys like um, like Josh Jacobs or like Brees Hall. Like Brees Hall, I think, is like showed meaningfully more kind of receiving upside than Chubb has shown for a long time. However, Hunt is gone, you know, so we so you kind of have to like you really have to squint to see it with Chubb. Like he needs he needs to get used in the receiving game. I don't care. Like Pollard is scoring more. more points than him. I just don't care. The, the other thing about Chubb is that he's 27 years old, and I think he turns 28 in December. So you have this like sneaky age risk with him. He had a devastating knee injury in college. Um, he and he and we're betting on hyper efficiency in the run game, and so that I think it, it it's concerning because we know that if these guys like lose a little bit, they lose a lot the way this works. And so if Chubb just isn't like the absolute clear best rusher in the NFL anymore. That's a major hit to his upside because he doesn't really catch passes. Um, 
the issue that I've had with Chubb is I'm like, but maybe he just catches more passes. And like, yeah. my God, he's an efficient rusher. And I, I generally like betting on this offense. The offensive line is awesome. And yeah, the offense could be really good. And then he catches like three balls a game. And all of a sudden, you know, he looks like a pretty, pretty nice bet in the second round. Um, it's just kind of his baseline thing. I've had trouble getting on board, especially because like, I have to do all that squinting, and then he basically projects as well as Jonathan Taylor projects, because Taylor is like just as efficient as a rusher at his peak, and actually in his physical prime. So I'm like, if I'm squinting to get him to Taylor, and then you know he's going ahead of Taylor, it's just been tough for me. I, I've taken in these slow drafts, I've decided to capitulate and take some more Chubb and do some fun stuff where I take like Garrett Wilson and Chubb and, and try to just get him up. See, a little I, bit because- I've been doing, I've been going even weirder and I've been taking Devonte Adams with that first pick, like whether it be 10 or 11 or 12 or whatever, and then taking Pollard. Cause that is a combo where I don't think I'm giving up that much in projection, but I'm making up a shit huh. ton of it in uniqueness. That's pretty interesting. I might, I might actually start doing that. So, yeah, I do. I, I do kind of think it's a flat tier from I don't know wherever you want to drop after after Kelsey goes for for me yeah. after Kelsey. I I really don't think there is that much like not even over the season, but any given week we're we're playing DFS right. How many weeks are Diggs, AJ Brown, Lamb, Wilson, St. Brown, and Adams going to be projected more than a point apart? Like not not that often. I don't think. Yeah. I see your point. I, I think it's similar. Depends how Adams and yeah, it depends how the Raiders are doing. Because I could see Adams projected pretty consistently highly as long as I mean, see, yeah, I, that's what I was week, say. week I could one see his projection I was, being like, like higher week than one all those DFS. Guys. Week one yeah, DFS. Sure. Devontae Adams is seventy eight hundred on DraftKings. He's going to be twenty four percent owned or whatever. Yeah, man. Devontae he just scores Adams. fantasy points. Guy, guy yeah, he scores, scores fantasy points. points yeah. He had like hundred eighty yeah. targets last year. It's just like all those other guys have like 140, like Amon Ra, Garrett Wilson, AJ Brown. 40, like 180 is a lot more than 140. Um, I, like, I, I like AJ Brown a lot. I feel like he's been getting disrespected. I mean, the dude can, like, if one of those guys oh, puts like up AJ 40 Brown's points too. this yeah. year, like, I think AJ Brown is is a pretty strong bet for that. Adam's also a strong bet for that, but yeah, they're, they're both um, good. It's, it's, it's yeah, I agree. But um, Taylor, Taylor to me, I, I still want to be overweight Taylor in a big way. I'm at 16% on him. Chubb, I'm at 4%. And that's where I was like, I don't want to be, I don't want to finish there. I would like to be, I'm probably going to have to be slightly underweight on Chubb because I just don't like this price, but I'm going to capitulate in some of these smaller tournaments and, and try to get like closer to even with the field. Cause, cause yeah. What if he catches passes and the Browns are good? Like it is a pretty yeah. simple, it is a pretty clean best you know ball what? upside case. I just I am so thrown off by the Jets and the Browns because I know the total for that week 17 game is gonna be like 32. It's just it's gonna be like I, I and I know that's yeah, I, irrational. I, is that a so weather bigger? thing? Why why do you yes, feel so confident? It's that's it's, a good segue. Um because we actually have implied totals um for these games via Jack Miller. I, he did these a couple weeks ago, so uh, a couple caveats, like I'm, I'm not sure DeAndre Hopkins signing is baked into Tennessee Houston, but he was able to pull these together, um, blanking on how he did this or from what what betting site. But these are implied week 17 totals. So Jets Cleveland is 
kind of right in the middle. Uh, Dave, not, not saying that what you're saying isn't possible. Like it could be a bad weather game that could tank this, but right now the implied total is 43 for that game, which kind of sits right. In and there, the there's something about that stadium that causes the wind to be worse there. That was like, that was like, remember Watson came back and then he was immediately in all these games where it was like 40 Remember that saints Browns game that the one week that the weather was crazy it was like, are they even going to attempt forward passes in this game? I do like it was like, one, yeah. it was like never on red zone. And it's like, just imagine you get, uh, you, I, I guess maybe Chubb projects well in that game, but like, imagine you set up like a Garrett Wilson Chubb and Aaron Rodgers is just on the sideline. Like his hands are in the warmer and he's like, I can't do anything. What do you want from me? You know, he's just bitching at everyone waiting for Alan Lazar to try and bail him out. So yeah, my, my feeling on this, we had Chris Allen on ship chasing a couple weeks ago and, and we're kind of asking him about the idea of trying to fade any of these, these weather games. And he was, he was saying like, we, we are looking at kind of outlier events that it's not like, like, I believe I said, what if there's like, you know, 12 mile an hour winds and it's 20 degrees. Um, are you nervous in this game? Are you nervous about that? And he was like, not at all. So we are looking for like very windy very or very, very cold or a lot of precipitation of some kind. Um, so it's like, are you, I mean, what are the chances that we get some outlier weather event in this specific game? I think there might be something to saying like, I'm going to bump guys up in dome games because I know nothing can happen to them. Well, it's not um, that I'm worried about. It's not I, what I'm handicapping is that of all these outdoor games, it seems the most likely. It's the, the, this specific stadium because of its proximity to that big lake and just how it's built. It, it seems like most one of the most likely. The other one is Rams Giants, most likely to get one of these very bizarre weather outcomes. But the th other thing that I would say about this game is you are saying this, and I've heard this from people on Twitter and people in the chats of, of podcasts and stuff. So this is kind of out there. And if it's out there, then I don't care. Right. Like if it's sure. baked in, if I'm going to have, if I'm going to have a chance to get this game at slightly lower people who are stacking up week 17, which is not everyone, right. We're still getting pushback on the very, on the very idea we should even do this. Okay. So there's not that many people that are stacking week 17 in a, in a real way. If they're less likely to stack this game, then I think that's the discount I need on this game, uh, and I'm just gonna I'm just gonna treat it like any other game personally. Let me throw one other thing out there, and someone brought this up in the chat, and I've been thinking about it. I think what really matters more than weather is Thursday night. This game is on Thursday night, and I think there actually is legit oh wow I didn't even evidence, think about that legit evidence that shows Thursday night games have lower scoring than other games. So um, that actually yeah, that's, does concern that's me a little for bit sure true. Yeah, yeah. I, and I don't know, like to me, I wonder if that sample's biased because I feel like it's always like Jags, uh, Titans, and <laughs> right. It's on, always on. terrible games. Yeah, it's always terrible yeah. games. So I don't know if that has something to do with it, but that's the one where like th that makes sense to me. Like shorter rest time before a game could 100% uh, impact offensive game planning, um, whatever. So that is that I'm a little bit more worried about. But but anyways, let's let's talk through this chart a little bit. Mm -hmm. I do think it's kind of interesting. Um, and looking at these, so these are week 17 game stack prices. The gray bar here, you can think of it as sort of an average of the top 10 players uh, by ADP in each of the games. So far left-hand side, you have Kansas City and Cincinnati 
has the highest over under of 49. Uh, it's also the most expensive game, so that makes sense. Far right hand side, you got New Orleans and Tampa Bay. That has the lowest uh, over implied uh, over under uh, and is the cheapest game. So directionally accurate chart. I do think there's some interesting things that that jump out here. Uh, back to dome games. Las Vegas, Indianapolis. How directionally accurate no- is it? Has anyone looked at this? Like how accurate the implied week 17 game totals have been the last? Because we could we could back test this, yeah. right? That'd be interesting. Yeah, we need we need someone who's even more uh, of a sicko than me to back test it because I'm I'm certainly not doing that. But we, somebody, I'm in, the, somebody my, in the chat, my my <laughs> following tab is just tweets of you, Sam. So I feel like you you could find the time. Dude, I'll do 20 tweets about Travis Elmer, but I will not back test whether uh, week 17. Or I, will, I will not do something actionable. <laughs> uh, but anyways, um, yeah, Las Vegas Indianapolis stood out to me as like. That looks like a pretty interesting game in a dome. One of the cheaper games you can get exposure to. Pretty high, over under of forty two. Um, thoughts thoughts from either of you guys on on stacking up that game because uh, I've been leaning there a lot uh, in my drafts. Which sorry, which game. which game? Sorry, Las Vegas, Indianapolis. Uh, the third cheapest. That's game. probably it's probably my um, number one most stacked game. Dallas, I have, Dallas, I have Detroit. that quite a bit. Yeah, yeah Dallas, Detroit, and Indianapolis, Las Vegas. Probably, probably my two number one most stacked games. It's really easy, you know. Like it just cooperates. You can always tack on like Jacoby. Um, Renfro, Hunter Renfro is really Pierce. cheap. You can take Michael Downs Mayer's in the eighteenth. Yeah, you can take Eight all these guys in the It's for yeah. It's so easy. You can build little minis around that. Um, yeah, I think that's a real easy one. And it's it's got this it's got this deceivingly low total right now, you know. But if Anthony Richardson is good. And the Raiders are like, I don't know, you know, still drawing live for the second wild card or something at that time. Like, what's that? If if Richardson is good, if I don't even tell you the part about the Raiders, but Richardson, you know, the the Colts are not total losers. They're relatively competitive. Richardson isn't throwing two picks a game. Like, what do you think that total is going to be? It's going to be like 48. Yeah. And also, like, it's not that low. Like, all these are kind of low. You know, it's the same total as the LAC Denver one. Like, yeah. yeah. So it's not – it's low relative to, like, what the average total will be for Week 17 when we're looking at the Saturday, you know, the, the day the day before. But, like, <laughs> compared to these, it's not really that low. Yeah. yeah. Downs is a guy that I like I think uh, getting late. Um, speaking of avoiding dead rounds. Downs and Hyatt, now that you can get them in the 18th round, both feel like really good picks. Yeah. I, it's hard sure. to imagine a third round. I guess it has happened. Like Danny Gray was drafted in the third round, never got a chance to do anything. But most third round wide receivers will get a chance. Yami at Brown, some point. RIP. Yeah, he got a he got at least got a chance. Maybe I don't know. Yeah, I, that's guys. probably fair. He did have a chance. He just didn't yeah. do anything. We're gonna. <laughs> we're, the anything. thing is, is we're gonna keep chasing these low these lower draft capital wide receivers because of Amon Ross St. Brown in twenty twenty one. Like, yep. you got to keep doing it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Don't Third mention round. Mike Wilson, though. Don't mention Mike Wilson. Davis will get real tilted. <laughs> that guy's that. Yeah. It's not even real. It's it's, it's Dorch. <laughs> if you really, if you if we if we want to, I mean, the people are waiting for our Cole Beasley uh, Giants third wide receiver breakdown. Oh, yeah, but I was doing. I was doing well. I was doing some research because there's this tweet going around that oh, actually, it's even a worse sign for Kadarius Tony 
that they were even using him on punt returns because that means they don't view him as a full-time mm-hmm. player on offense. So I was just doing some looking around and seeing like what full-time players have been punt returners. It actually is more common than you think. Like the, the tweet sounds good, but it's actually, it happens a good bit. Like Brandon Ayuk, for example, in 2021. Didn't Tyreek do some returning? Ty- not not in a long time. Not in a long time, but Julian Edelman and Wes Welker, I think. CD Lamb two seasons ago had like 130 targets and 35 punt returns. Like it that's team, crazy. Teams teams do this. They they do they do it more for I mean, like some teams have a specialist, you know, but it like I would say probably about five guys a year, based on my very quick research, are a combination of 70% snap share yeah. on offense and punt returns. Like it's not, it's, it's not insane. Um, it's actually more likely for the kick returner to be the random 48th guy active on game day than it is for the punt returner to be a random guy. Cause, and if you think about it, anyways, this is this, that was a long Antonio Brown thing. the chat is pointing out Antonio Brown. Great example. But this was a long way to say Greg Dorch was Arizona's punt returner last year. So if it's down to, Michael Wilson, yes, Robert Woods was returning punts. Kevin Tompkins got that one right. But Greg George was the punt returner. So if it comes down to fifth or sixth wide receiver for Arizona and they're trying to make someone active, my guess would be George. I forgot this was a Greg George point. It took so long that I took it. Yeah, I'd also forgotten. It took a a long time (laughs) to get there. I'd completely forgotten. The point being, (laughs) Greg George, specifically on DraftKings, I think he's worse on underdog where because his value is all tied and like actually catching short passes. But I actually unironically think Greg George is a really good pick on DraftKings. He's he's more likely to be active on game days than Roshan Johnson. That's that's for sure. Um, I I think I. are you are you not taking Roshan Johnson because Travis Homer signed a two million dollar deal? He's a Travis Homer truther. Are you trolling okay, me with I, this, or what is no, what no? Is, what are you doing? What are you actually doing differently because of your <laughs> tweets about Travis Homer? Are we just are we just having to sit through you finding his contract? It should no, be, I guess. This it's should mostly be, this just should like be a, a Donta Foreman take, I guess. Yeah, yeah. No, here, here's the real take. So the the Bears, um, pretty much no teams have five backs, including fullbacks, active on game days. Like people say, it's theoretically possible. When I ask for examples of it actually happening, it's like it's very rare. It's a really weird way to allocate yeah. no, positions on your roster. No one has five gonna... active running backs. Yeah. Okay. Thank. I'm glad we agree on that because people on Twitter are telling me that that's going to happen with the Bears this year, guys. That's no. that's not going to happen. So the Bears have a fullback that gave two million guaranteed to Kari Blazengame. Sorry if I'm butchering your name. Um, they also are. gave he went to he went to, Van, he went to Vanderbilt. Dave, Dave loves him. Sorry. Blossom is pretty sweet though. That sounds way cooler. But anyways, they gave him two million guaranteed. He played twenty percent snaps last year in like goal line short yardage. Like he he has a locked in role in the roster. Why would they pay a fullback two million? That's not going to play. Travis Homer. People hate to hear it. They gave him two million guaranteed for special teams. He could uh-huh. like if like if he absolutely sucks in camp. I guess he could be inactive. But are they paying him two million to not play special teams? Also like people pretend he's a complete zero like look at the early season last year obviously it's when walker was a rookie and getting ramped up but he was playing plenty of snaps in seattle before he got hurt like he, he plays running back snaps as well so if he's, you say he's darwin kumba wally though i mean he's he's a yeah he's a snap this eater is, he, this is he's worthless this is the dario ogumba wale uh yeah was the special teams captain so you can't draft ronald jones Takes. Exactly. So I'm not. I'm not saying draft Travis Homer. He's like some huge threat to carve out a big workload, but he's gonna be active on game days. Like I'm 
quite certain in that. So then you have two active spots on the roster between Foreman, Herbert, and Roshan. And I yeah. don't think the market is really... And I think like Herbert, I'm, I'm kind of locking Herbert into one of those three from how well he I think that's fair. So then yeah. one of like... It doesn't Foreman have a good chance of beating out Roshan for like if they want like a goal line back and they already have Homer as like the pass catching guy in a pinch. I just think Roshan like has a pretty good chance of being inactive on game days. I'm not sure why I have to pay a 13 round pick when I can get Tajay Spears like multiple rounds later. He's gonna be active on game days. I can get, you know, other other guys later that are way more locked in. Like I, I just don't get the I Roshan feel like guys. you're yeah, but the take is so you're not taking Roshan Johnson. Is that your your actionable takeaway that you're just not really taking him? Um, I I am not I'm not taking him. I have like three or four percent. Um, okay, but yeah, he, ha- he has fallen. Um, like this is not like I would never take him. This is like I'm not taking him in the twelfth, thirteenth round. Like I think there's big opportunity costs there. You can get him cheap, right? Because on on underdog it goes Herbert, Roshan Foreman. But on DraftKings, yeah. it goes Herbert, Foreman, Roshan. So I would recommend, if you're trying to get your overall portfolio, I'd recommend on DraftKings, you can get yeah. more Roshan. And he he's a better fit for that format because I think the way Roshan um, pays off like immediately is that he does earn kind of that third down back roll. I guess I would also say like Roshan could probably play on special teams. Like Travis Homer <laughs> doesn't really strike me as like all that big of a threat. I mean, two million dollars isn't that much money. Like they did, well, did they Roshan, did also spend. Did Roshan play special teams in college? I assume he I did. Think he did. He I think he did. I think he did. He's also an awesome pass blocker. Um, the other thing I would say about Roshan is so far what, and I'm not a big Roshan guy as a prospect. Mostly it's it's kind of I just got on the 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 uh, the bandwagon that Davis started of him as a pass blocker. Um, that kind of got me like to, to open my third eye a little bit on him. And, you know, he could that I think the, so the, the news coming out of training camp that I've seen has been very positive on Roshan. And I'm hearing a lot of like the bears really like Roshan. They really like Roshan. The upside that he provides you, I think is he takes over the backfield. He takes over the backfield by the end of the season. And so that's what I've been trying to. So I'm at I'm at nine percent on him. I'm not like hammering him, but like it's an uncertain backfield. He does do something better than the other guys, and then he's a really good pass blocker. He only has to beat out Travis Travis Homer, who we all think stinks, uh, to get on the field is in those pass blocking type snaps or or receiving type snaps, third down roll. Um, and he's more suited to that than your typical rookie running back because he's such a good pass blocker. So I just think he kind of offers you this, like, whereas Foreman, right? Foreman is going to be an early down guy in a committee, even if he hits. Now he's going to split time. Herbert, I think the same thing about, although I, I do like Herbert. I, I draft Herbert. I draft Foreman. But Roshan is the guy that could just be like, nope, it's mine. This is this is my backfield. I'm the 65% of the snaps guy because you trust me on third downs, and I'm performing well on early downs. Yeah. Look, I don't, I don't like think that's that's implausible, and like I think it's hard to sometimes have these takes because because I don't think what you're saying is impossible, Pat. I guess my point is just like he's he's a fourth round rookie running back. I, I looked into this over the last like five years, about half those guys like fail to reach. I think I set the threshold as like sixty touches in a season. Like half of fourth round running backs just like get redshirted and don't play, and the market in this very like. 
I get crowded is a weird word because I, I agree. It's a lot of like Jags, like not super talented guys, but it is crowded in the sense of like, it's kind of hard for a rookie fourth round running back to be active on game days on this roster. So you have to pay like more than Spears for this. You have to pay more than Singletary, Jerome Ford, like these guys that I just think like are going to be playing and, and like kind of clearly at least the number two on their teams. And I'm just like, I don't know. It, it feels expensive to me, but I, I, I get it. Like, I guess I'm just feel- not. So it's 1.75 for Homer and he stinks. If Roshan's really good, like I just don't see that maybe for week one. You know, or maybe that's, that's not the other thing, really, right? Like, not maybe not even really good, but just like a similar level of quality. You know, teams yeah. teams make one point seven million dollar guys game day inactives all. The that's time. kind of a lot for. It is kind of a lot for a running back though. Like, I, I, mean, I that's get what you, Ronald, that's what Ronald Jones made last year to be. I don't. Did he ever play? I guess he did for like two games. Yeah, when yeah. Clyde got hurt. Yeah, the other thing is that free agency is before the draft. So their plan may have been to have him as, you know, their their, third down guy and active every single week on special teams and perfect fit with the foreman signing. And now they have this this three-guy backfield that that works really well, complements itself or whatever. But then they like Roshan. And then Roshan surprises them with how good he is. And it's all been positive on Roshan. Like, I just would say... You know, in an uncertain backfield, if you have a rookie who seems to be making a good impression, that getting hung up on Travis Homer's 1.75 million guarantees, it strikes me as just sort of like it's irrelevant to the upside case. It's not that it couldn't have an impact, but it's 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 just not going to matter if he's really good. It just yeah, I got, yeah, no, I, I don't think I agree with you. It's not relevant to the upside case, but I think it's quite relevant to the downside case, and I just think like. You know, 13th round pick, like, man, I, I can get, like, wide receivers that I know are playing, like, in wide receivers, like, two wide receiver sets all year at that price. I can get Alec Pierce. I can get guaranteed, like, starting tight ends. Like, maybe it's more of a structural thing where I'm just not usually selecting running backs this late in my builds. Or if I am, I'm leaning towards, like, a free agent like Fournette even later. But, mm-hmm. I don't know, 13th round pick to me, like, have we ever drafted a fourth round running back, like, this high besides like Algier last year, like Michael Carter. Still, yeah. Yeah. There, there are examples. It still strikes me as high for a fourth round. Like it's a day three pick. I don't know, I, I'll, but I'm, I'm open. Like uh, the reporting has been good on him. I agree with that. Like I'm, I'm but not you're right. I mean, be... if we're looking at another TDP or uh, Isaiah yeah, that's Spiller, what I'm saying. Like he, he definitely has that risk. Yeah. Like Zamir White, um, even Ramondre barely played his rookie year, though he did have some some pockets of fantasy relevancy. Um, there's so many rookie fourth round picks that just like are irrelevant in fantasy, and it's it's making a lot of assumptions for Roshan. But um, it is, but it's I just I think the ups the pure upside case is like is pretty juicy, you know. It, so I just I would have a hard time being like underweight in a meaningful way on him because it's like. This is one of those ones you look back on. You're like, really? We were worried about Khalil Herbert, like who hasn't really done anything in a big sample. He's had a couple of good small sample size flashes. A journeyman running back in Deontay Foreman, uh, who we really like, but keeps getting like he was great on the Titans. Titans are done. He was great for the Panthers. Panthers are done. You know, and then they draft this guy and talk highly about him all off season, and then he's really good. Like, what? 
why did that surprise and, you? So? And to be clear, whatever team drafted him would have had to have really seen something sort of on tape or at workouts or whatever. Cause this is a guy who did not really touch the ball in college, you know, like he was in a backfield with the running back who went, what'd he go eighth overall or something. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. Like, you know, I, I actually don't even know the answer to this question. Uh, how many touches did Roshan Johnson have in college? I'm going to guess it's less. I think he had a lot as a goal. rookie. He did. Bijan he did. I, I actually remember this because I mean, he, not freshman. I mean, yeah. Yeah. So he had to convert from quarterback because Keontae Ingram and uh, Keontae Ingram got hurt. So that was the starting running back and Keontae Ingram got hurt. And the coaches were basically like, look, you can play if you convert right now. And he, that was when Sam Ellinger was the quarterback and uh, Ellinger was like a big deal for for Texas, so he probably never would have been able to play. Yeah, he had 392, but 150 of those touches came mm. as a freshman before Bijan was there. But still, he scored six and a half touchdowns per year in the back. I guess he played, so he played a little bit, like not a ton. To be yeah. clear, by the way, I, I have more Herbert and Foreman than I do Roshan. But That's and I, I but I'm overweight on I, all three, and that, I think that I, is how I want to play that. I think I for sure. My guess is I have almost no Herbert. I've yeah. got two percent Herbert. I've got eleven percent Roshan and one percent Foreman. Yeah, I, I Roshan is the guy I like. I, I feel I feel good about that bet. Yeah, Foreman Foreman to me seems the guy who's easy. I, I don't. I, he makes more money. But he seems the easiest to excise because he does the least of all these guys. He's not going to play on passing downs, and he's not going to play on special teams. So what is the point? Yeah, Why are you taking he's Herbert? Legit. Then, by the way. I guess I, I guess I, I guess I could. I mean, I guess I guess I should be taking more Herbert based on. I've been taking a lot how of Herbert. I feel about I, this. Yeah, I think he's. He strikes me as the least likely guy to get excised. So I'm just like, I'm gonna because he's been working on pass blocking. This he's like this whole narrative of like how hard he's been working on his pass blocking. And so who knows if that'll actually come to fruition, but he may have two outs to playing time, even in a committee. Um, but I, I mean, yeah. the thing is the bears are going to run the ball a ton. We think all three of these guys might be good and we're not sure how the touches are going to break out. This has generally been a, a very profitable spot, right? This is like, if you had just taken both Cardinals back at a high at a high clip when they had Edmonds and Connor. If you had just taken both Bills backs when it was like two years of like Devin Singletary and Zach Moss or whatever, and we're like, we're not sure who it is. Those types of situations have been pretty profitable, even if you were overweight the whole thing and had to eat it on some of those teams. Yeah, I don't I don't disagree, but I, one I do think it changes when you go from a two way ambiguous two to, to a three, three way ambiguous. Point That's, one. I, I, Point I two would, is like the data, Travis Elmer exists still. The data would totally bear that out. He doesn't that, exist. That three-way ambiguous. <laughs> he doesn't exist. I think 1.75, I don't know. I mean, I guess. He exists from the standpoint of like, I think he's a really good special teams player that when he was held, like, again, when he was healthy last year in Seattle, he had like a role. Yeah, although they're talking about playing DJ Dallas and, and Kenny McIntosh after drafting running backs in the second round in two consecutive years. So, you know, <laughs> take that with a grain of salt. Yeah, Pete Carroll's, Pete Carroll's weird, but I'm just saying, like, he played 
when Rashad Penny and Kenneth Walker were on an NFL team last year, he was on the field yeah. getting snaps. Like, I don't want to pretend he has 0% chance of like playing. So I don't know. No, he, do- he doesn't. He doesn't have 0% chance of playing. It's just that like, he's not going to matter. Cause he's not, he doesn't do anything on offense. He's just going to like eat some third down snaps and, and yeah, probably would come at the expense specifically of Roshan Johnson. So as a, I want to have the least Roshan of all these guys take, I, I get it, but it's just like he's not an actual impediment to a breakout rookie. So if I'm if I'm betting on Roshan to just be really good, which is so far consistent with what we're hearing that they really like him, then I'm just think Travis Homer adds nothing to how I should evaluate, you know, whether or not to draft yeah. Roshan. I mean, you can argue I'm being overly precise with this, but again, and not not to just use this as a crutch on players, but the redraft versus best ball thing. This is somewhere where I would be at cost on Roshan and redraft. I would be loading up hundred percent in best ball. I am just a little bit more worried about the floor. Um, and maybe that's overly precise in my ability to predict like these things. You can say that, but like the floor risk just seems like a 13th round pick that gives you zeros throughout the whole year. Like, yeah, I what I would, what I would push back on in some ways is like, he could give you zeros for six, seven weeks and then come on. So this is, we're not trying to, when, when we talk about Travis Homer and who's going to be active and stuff like, you know, it isn't like you have to get it right for every single week. Like if it, this could, you could be a hundred percent correct that Travis Homer will be active at the expense of Roshan Johnson because of his special teams ability and ability to handle, handle third down work. And then he, he pulls a hammy or, Foreman pulls a hammy or Herbert pulls a hammy and Roshan gets his chance. It looks really good. And he only delivers for you down the stretch. But at this price, that's more than enough. Like you're, you're super psyched. So in some ways, like I actually, I don't know if he's someone that makes more sense in manage because he's probably going to be a dead roster spot in a lot of scenarios. And then, then when he breaks out, it's off the waiver wire. So it's a late season rookie, you know, and this, we know rookies do this, right? Jack Miller's done, done research showing that rookie running backs, you know, really come on at the end of the year, rookie wide receivers as well. This isn't just a narrative. Um, in best ball, you have to be price sensitive with these types of plays. If he was uh, even an 11th round pick, I think I'd start to be a lot more nervous about making this this type of um, argument for him. But like, you know, Tyler Algier, kind of kind of similar to that, right? Like he didn't really do much until the end of the season. I mean, Algier really didn't do anything until like the very end. And then he comes on, he looks really good and they lean on him for a few weeks and it, and it makes a big difference. Yeah, no, I I, I hear your points. I, I I think like ultimately we, we probably just disagree onto the likelihood of, of someone. I think maybe I'm more focused on the fact that he was a day three pick and you guys are more focused on the fact that there's a lot of exciting things in this profile, which which I agree with, like the per touch efficiency for Roshan looks really good. I think I'm ultimately just going back to like day three pick. A lot of these guys do nothing, and I, and I don't like the cost, but I totally, yeah. I totally it hear. Just, you. It, I, I hear it feels a little week one to me. Is is kind of my biggest thing. Like it just a little. It just it's a little. Yeah, I don't know. It's a it's a long season, you know, and it's kind of, and it's an ambiguous backfield that we know is going to put up points. So. Yeah. The backfield will score points, right? We agree on that. Yeah. I mean, Although, I mean, yeah. if you looked at the Bears' backfield last year, they probably would have been in the bottom 10 for running back scoring, right? They had plenty of rushes. 
Yeah. Plenty of that's rushes, the thing. but that's the zero thing. receptions. But that matters way less on underdog, right? On on DraftKings, you're worried about it. Yeah. And we're not we're not projecting these guys to be, you know, this is not like spending a third round pick. Like it's like if, if we can get 12 and a half points per game for a month out of Roshan, it's pretty good. Like a lot of a lot, I know good. there are 13th round guys we like, but most of our 13 round picks probably suck. Yeah. Dude, so many of our picks suck. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. It's actually insane how many of our picks absolutely suck. Yeah. That's what I kind of wanted to do that as an exercise, just like go through whatever like the the default draft board by ADP was last year and just like laugh at laugh at some of the picks because um so many like it once you get to like the 10th round, it's just like 50% bus or like higher. Like it's it's yeah, it, it's it's, cr- it's crazy. And that and that's yeah. why like with the guy like Roshan, you know, who I don't even like that much, but I'm just like you often when you look back on a fantasy draft, I've said this a million times, but you often like you just go through the draft board and you like look you, when you see old draft boards, you literally like look like, OK, who took Cooper Cup in the fourth, fifth round of the 2020 draft? Like that's because that's like the only right answer. There's like there's so many guys who were like, yeah, they didn't ruin your season, but like they just didn't really matter. Like we forget like how many guys there are like that. And then there's obviously a ton of busts. There's a few guys who like you, you can't, they're, they're league winners. Right. And so that's how, that's how this season's going to go too, you know? And I don't want to just be like, that's, well, that's I can't really take this point is that most of our decisions don't actually matter. It's just, did you, did you specifically in these ranges, like yeah. rounds, rounds one through five or whatever, you need to avoid the guys who get hurt and who get zeros or whatever. You know that that's huge, or 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 just get beat out straight up by their counterparts, right? Like if you take a big stance on Josh Jacobs and he ends up playing but gets outscored by Ramondre by a bunch or whatever, like that's going to be an L. But rounds ten through eighteen, it's really just like, did you get the right guy? And if you didn't get the right guy, it 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 really doesn't matter. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I mean, I think Roshan's so interesting. And we've gone forever on him now, but I, I think he's really it's interesting. interesting topic. Yeah. Yeah. He's, I do think he is a strong candidate to be this year's Tyrion Davis price where he just like never really does anything. But also like if we were looking for a James Robinson, wouldn't he also be probably the strongest candidate to just come into an ambiguous backfield where we're not like overly excited about anyone. I mean, Khalil Herbert's the presumed starter and he goes in the double digit rounds. And, you know, Davis has not taken any of them. Like, there's no real excitement around Khalil Herbert. There's no real belief that he can take over the backfield. I think even even he is saying, I'm a committee back. So, like, if anyone is going to pull a Miles Gaskin, a James Robinson, you know, Gaskin was a second-year player, but whatever, just come out of nowhere and take over a backfield right away, he, he does strike me as a pretty good candidate for that, too. So, wide range of outcomes – um, and you know, and I think there's some median outcomes where he is a, is a solid committee back guy or does the Algier thing where he isn't anything until he is, but man, I, I do see, maybe it's, maybe you think it's a lot thinner than I do, but I do see some upside, especially for as long as the bears continue to talk really positively about him. Yeah, no, I, I, I see the upside. I'm not, I'm not denying that. I think, yeah, we probably just like disagree on, 
the percentages of the downside and upside case. But man, the Bears backfield is super interesting. I, I agree with that. Like the thing that's 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 tough too is that Foreman and Herbert are just both so proven as good NFL rushers. And maybe maybe mm-hmm. so proven is an exaggeration, but you look at the stats the last couple of years for them, and man, they're both very efficient runners. And that strikes me as the, the sort of profile of the guy that's going to score fantasy points in the Bears' backfield. It's not going to be the pass-catching back. It's going to be the the super-efficient runner, hopefully the guy that gets the goal line work. Could be Roshan. He, he could be really good at that too, but um, there's a lot of guys there that have interesting profiles. And, um, yeah, may, maybe the answer is overweight all three. That sounds like what, what you're doing, Pat. Um, I've been more on Herbert and, like, a little bit, shy of of the guys behind him for the downside risk but i see the Listen, case for it for sure I, if you've drafted like that year with the with the jaguars you know that that was a humbling experience if you go the in Jim and Robinson you draft year? yeah devin Izigbo, who i drafted that year and you draft god i can't even remember the other guy's name do you remember davis um, oh, there was another guy. There was I another dude who was who was presumed to be the guy. Maybe the chat can help me out. I cannot remember. Okay. I literally cannot remember his name. Was it Google uh, Wally? No. Armstead. Ryquel Armstead. Ryquel Armstead. Yeah, Ryquel Armstead and Devin Azigbo. I drafted both of those guys that year. I didn't have Robinson. Ryquel, Ryquel Armstead got like gnarly long COVID and was like hospitalized and almost died. He never played in the NFL again, I don't think. Yeah. Oh, man. I've forgotten that. You know who else was um, on that team? My favorite running back prospect of all time, Chris Thompson was on that team. Chris Thompson, he had some he had some relevance there for a for a minute. He, he had some he, juice. Um, he had some juice, Chris Thompson. Yeah. He broke his leg. Sean Siegel his, loved him. Yeah, he broke his leg his last year at Florida State and never did the combine. But I just I I wish casted on him for years. For he played until he was 30. I loved that guy. Well anyway, like the that that backfield and it was not a good team. You know, but it produced a true league winner because it was just a guy who was free and got all the touches. Um, and then we saw uh, the year that Miles Gaskin came out of nowhere. I don't even remember who we were drafting, but Patrick Laird comes on with Davis and Pete and tells us to draft Miles Gaskin. And we're like, what do you know, Patrick? And we don't draft Miles Gaskin. And then he comes out. So I just like with these hyper ambiguous backfields, um, I was okay eating that was some of the. To- who was supposed to play ahead of Matt, it wasn't Matt Chase Burita. Edmonds? Oh, it was, it was Matt, Matt Burita. Burita. It was Matt Burita. Yeah, we decided it was nuts. Matt Burita. Yeah, and Matt Burita was probably a, a pretty fair comparison to Khalil Herbert at that time. He had been, you know, pretty efficient. Now he's changing teams and he was yeah, less maybe it, yeah. yeah, but but as far as efficiency goes, point. I mean he was he was a committee back who was pretty efficient, mostly an early down guy, but you know, pretty fast, pretty efficient, and all that. So anyway. So you're I just saying the guy uh, that nobody's drafting on the team might be the true league winner. I'm saying, who, yeah, I'm saying. Who would that Travis be? Under, who would this I'm, be? Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's Travis Homer. This is all oh. leading to Travis Homer. <laughs> um, no, but I just, I don't know. I've been kind of humbled by these like hyper ambiguous backfields in the past, and I'm not going to yeah. try to figure it out like in a big way. I, I do have the most Herbert, I guess. So maybe I am being hypocritical in that way. But I want to be overweight all three backs because I think someone is going to matter here. That's fair. Yeah. Um, I'm glad we got the Travis Homer talk at the end. Uh, we might have to save Cole Beasley to the Giants uh, for next <laughs> week. 
at this imagine point. Cole Be- so sorry imagine Cole Beasley, Cole Beasley beats out Paris Campbell, who's been steamed up to the 15th round for a roster spot. I'm just glad Wandale Robinson goes in, the two, goes in the 200s now because that, that he was going. I am, like, I am too. He was going in the 160s. Ta- it means I can keep taking him. Oh, come on, man. Wandale Robinson is like the most polarizing player. Like, I think Jacob Sanderson hates him, I think. And then, like, Sean Siegel thinks he's like he clearly the Giants' best wide receiver, which, which I don't well, agree he with. Well, is, he is the best wide receiver. Yeah. The, I, he's, I've, he's like, the best I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. I. I have just I didn't take any Wandale before, and now I take him happily. Now people so, people just have disregarded his dog levels. Like if you're if you were not a dog <laughs> level drafter, then you're not going to get it. You know, it just it is what it is. I have yeah, seven point seven Wandale, and I feel like there's I'm just like sitting on the side. I'm I'm uh, completely neutral here. Is is there's like a a true Wandale Robinson battle in terms of how good he is? It, it's interesting. Yeah, I mean. All I'm saying for the people who love Wondell Robinson, go go watch his 100 yard game last year. I think it was against the Lions, and and tell me if you think he was running like. Why do I have to watch it? Put it put, set it set it to sad music and put it on Twitter, please. Do the yeah, do the reverse Ian Harditz. I could do that, but um, anyways, uh, <laughs> let's wrap up here. Um, does anyone have a best value take? As I scroll through ADP, I I'm do. To come yeah, up with one myself. Okay. What you got? Uh, so this is a player that I've been trying to get more of anyway, but I think will rise now um, because of this Tony stuff. I'm going to go Rasheed Rice. Damn it! I think you probably duped me on that one. I bet I have a. I bet I have a Rasheed Rice in there. Uh, okay, I might have James, the better ADP though because he seems to have fallen a bit. Is James Cook cheating? Are we? Are we? Are we uh, saying that's cheating? That. I, uh, I mean, you guys got a rule. I because I got a backup. I got a backup. If, wait, why would why would it be cheating? Because Hines just got hurt. Oh no, that's not that's no, not that's cheating. not cheating. That's not cheating. Okay, James Cook. Okay, I think it'd be cheating um, if like Harris. Sure. Went down. Um. Yeah, the Hines thing we should touch on quickly. He, like, it sounds like a really sad injury for him because he got, he hit, got by hit by someone by else while he was on jet, a jet ski. So Dude, I did. Brutal. That's brutal. I did the I did the math very quickly, which is basically just what we just spent 30 minutes talking about with Greg Dorch, uh, which is that Hines was the primary punt and kick returner. So it, it really actually don't think is going to impact hardy. running back all that much. Cause I think it'll just be Latavius, Damian Harris and cook, but it's Hardy, Sherfield. Uh, who's the other guy? There's, there's one. Shakir. Um, Shakir, Shakir. No, no. Uh, Justin shorter now might make oh. the roster. Because uh, I think Shakir was always going to make it, but sure, I mean, if they decide to let Shakir do punts or whatever, that's probably huge for him. Well, Hardy's your kick returner, right? I mean, that's isn't that I something he's so. done for a while, and he's yeah, good at it. I believe so. He's super fast. Yeah, yeah. They also not to be the guy who just keeps setting contracts, but he got five million guaranteed. So I don't think yeah. he was ever a cut risk, but this just seems like 100 lock. He's got to be active now um, for the returning stuff. Maybe maybe Shakir was um, more at risk than I thought, but that risk is totally alleviated now i would say got it um okay for mine uh i'll go with i'll go with Devonte parker um i should have taken it a couple weeks ago but yeah dude you've been you've been yeah you you, you left some serious rising value on the yeah. table here. <laughs> i, I left an 18th a lot round pick yeah 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 
Uh, you think he's going to continue think, rising? I think he's going to continue rising. Um, All right. He'll flip. He'll I actually, flip I actually take. Why, I actually why take him still at this price? Honestly, I take. Yeah, him man. He, he. Why should Why should Tim Patrick go, be going twenty picks ahead of him? Like people on, love guys. Tim Patrick. I mean, Tim what Patrick might be. That? Tim Patrick might be the leading receiver for the Broncos. Tim Patrick is like he's just one of those guys. Like the FFPC crowd loves him. Like he he was like happily happily taken as like a ninth round pick before he got hurt. Like, I think yeah. I think he's going to keep rising. It's like if you want the the archetype of like pretty bad big X wide receiver who just runs routes, you got to pay like one fifties for MVS. I get it, he's on the Chiefs. You got to pay one fifty five for DJ Chark. Uh, you got to pay 160 for DPJ, and you can get Devontae Parker at at 190 still. And I don't know, man. He he played like it's still like not a cool or fun take, but he played like 90 percent of the snaps, 90 percent route rates in all the games he played last year, besides the ones he got injured or was returning from injury. And they just paid him a lot of guaranteed money. Like they're planning on that changing. Um, I don't know. But I also just think it, it's back to the Patriots are way too cheap point, and I think yeah. you can get. You can get the Mac Jones, Avante Parker stack if you already took Ramondre or you already took uh, somebody, you know, digs earlier. You can get that so cheap. So um, it's just, it's picking up pennies, uh, in my opinion, to get Devontae Parker. He also fits stuff like, because I've taken a fair amount of Robert Woods and Darius Slayton um, because uh, those those guys just kind of helped me the early season. And I, I tend to draft a lot of, a, a lot of rookies. So, yeah. Um, I, I kind of like that archetype is like, just get me there. Just help me get this team through. And Parker fits that very well. Um, so I can't, I can't knock it. I, I hope he doesn't rise anymore because I like having that as like a little backup plan if I'm overly rookie heavy, but, um, yeah, like, is a, I don't know, like where, where would you lose interest if he rose to, um, I'd probably lose interest. Like I'd probably click Hodgins over him. Um, yeah, like me 170. Too. You know, once you get to like Shahid and Mims, I like like sort of the upside of those guys more. But yeah, what like if he was like 160, I think there's still some like I have digs and I'm breaking tiebreakers between Devontae Parker and like DPJ at pick 160. I, I'd break ties towards the correlation and take him. So. For me, he could rise all the way to there. I'm, I'm probably losing this one just because he's such a boring name and has the injury-prone label and everything. Like, I don't think he's going to get seen, but people hate Devontae Parker so much. So I think we're safe taking him in the 180s. Um, so maybe I just talked myself into making a terrible selection in this game. Well, it, it, it could be – yeah, sometimes this is tough because we take guys we just think are good picks yeah. as opposed to actual closing line value risers. Yeah. Thought. But uh, hey, I picked Kyron Williams one week, so you'll never have a pick worse than that. There, there's some bad ones on on this list. Will Levis is on this list. Uh, from, oh man, from who picked that? Was that me? Happy no, that was me. me. That was me. Oh, Davis. thank God. <laughs> that, that seems like something I could have done. Yeah, it's <laughs> not going to work out. How Davis many times have I picked two two? You've got two two <laughs> on here at least once. You've got Dorch on here. You've got uh, Baker on here. Um, <laughs> Davis Davis has a rolodex of guys who's already picked. <laughs> I just have a rolodex of I just have a rolodex of 18th round guys. I think can end up being 16th round picks. Yeah, that's those are the big wins that we go for in fantasy football. <laughs> gotta get those. All wins. right, we got it, guys. We gotta get out of here. This is this was yeah yeah. 
too many, too much time short. spent talking about punt returns. Yeah, way too much. You right. got to get inside the mind of an NFL head coach if you want to win. Apparently, yeah. There's worse ways to play. All right, guys, uh, that was fun. Davis, Pat, um, anything you guys got coming up? Or should we get out of here? Take cast Sports Grid Fantasy Football Podcast. Watch Sports Grid TV. All the good stuff. Uh, legendary upside. Sign up uh, for a yearly subscription. You can still get a fifty dollars underdog credit. I have a few of those left. Um, yeah, rankings, content, all the good stuff. All right, and we'll be back next week with uh, the late round QB um, on ADP chasing. So that should be a fun one. See you guys later. Yeah.